Hello and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. And on today's episode, we have Dan Nascimento, uh, artist manager at Unified Music Group. What an absolute legend. Oh, I tell you what, he was a bit nervous coming on the pod. We had to do a bit of convincing, twist his arm a little bit. But uh, Dan is the artist manager for Ocean Alley, Jack Botts. Hmm. Uh, we love Dan the man. He came down last week. He's coming down... I don't know when we're recording this, but we're seeing him again for lunch. Mm. Uh, he is an absolute bloody legend. He's a hard-working dude, and he's just so smart. Yeah, yeah. Not very humble, though, is he? Not very humble. Doesn't like doesn't like uh, making other people feel good, does he? It's he, all about him, isn't it? Is he the most humble man you've ever met? He's the nicest guy I reckon I've ever met in my life. I don't reckon anyone's uh, could say a bad word about him. Do you reckon? Honestly. But we've tried digging. We've tried digging. Look, we try to get him to to bag out a few people, not bag out a few people, but just throw a bit of shade and you just, it's not in him, is but it, it? But even when we've tried to get people behind his back to say things about him, everyone just says, oh no, Dan's the nicest human ever. I know. Best manager in Australia. Yeah, with the best beard in Australia. He's, everyone's pumping his tyres, you know. Like, we, can, we know why. You know, we do. We he do. does, he knows his shit. He's a very smart dude. We, you know, he takes us back on the journey of when he was managing an RSL to now managing one of Australia's sexiest rock bands. So, um, kidding aren't you it's a good story he also talks about he's a big movie buff and uh, movie and film buff so but he got one wrong he got one wrong and he sent us a little message in the slack he goes I'm still kicking myself over Alfonso Curon I don't even know if that's how you say it Roma stuff up when we talk film double down on it being a Spanish film and Alfonso being Spanish when it was Mexico Wish I knew just blanked at the moment. Been on my mind since we recorded. Hey, well, everyone's going to know now, Dan, so... Do you even know your movies, Dan? Yeah, are you uh, really even uh, a film buff? Are you really even a film buff? I reckon you've got... I'd love to see his DVD collection, I reckon. The all-time, I think. All I, you know, yeah, thanks for giving us a lesson, Dan. Appreciate it. We're live. We're live. That's it. We're, We're live with who? Dan. Dan the man. Dan. How do you say your last name, Dan? I've always... Fuck, I'm going to say Nascimento. Nascimento? Uh, it's, there's a few soft letters in there, I reckon, but it's Nascimento. Nascimento. I knew it sounded sexier than how I, I, I've been saying it. <laughs> I call you, I call you, D, oh, we call you Naz Daddy. Naz Daddy. Is, yeah. is that the official term, Naz Daddy? That was your middle oh, name, isn't it? That'll, that'll do the job. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the trivia on the last name that I like to throw out there is that it's the great footballer Pele's last name. Not related. But uh, still a nice connection to have with, uh, I think, Nascimento is like the, the Smith of uh, Portugal and Brazil. That's right. but, um, family ties, I reckon. You can always get, get download, what is it, Ancestry or whatever, where you can see your family tree. If you've got the same last name, surely you have to come, you're being cut from the same cloth. 100%. I don't want to do that thing. They keep your data and then they can ping oh, you. Oh, he's wearing tail. his tinfoil hat. You know, <laughs> hey, he, honestly, tell me My, about you were charging the crystals on top of your oven. Remember we were talking about it the other day? I was not. Anyway, it's not about us, mate. Tell us, (laughs) we're pumped. For those who are listening, we're absolutely stoked to have you on the pod. He lives in the shadows normally. He's like um, Uh, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Come out of the shadows, Bruce. It's an exclusive. He he doesn't do many interviews. (laughs) We are very excited. We're very excited. Dan, tell us, who who are you and what do you do? Um, We are working, uh, work primarily in, in music or the wide entertainment industry. Uh, mainly in in artist management, um, but also dabble in in A and R for for a couple of artists, um, as well as working on events and uh, festivals and, and and touring and stuff as well. Um, so yeah, a little bit of 
little bit of everything, uh, love all parts of the music business and I guess what goes into a, an artist's career, which is a lot of different bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, just short and sweet because that definitely was it. Um, yeah, working work in the music industry down at uh, Unified Music Group in, uh, in Melbourne. Mate, I think you're... You're underselling yourself here because we, you know, it's it's an hour and a half dedicated to pumping up you, and you've got so many good stories. We've heard them, you know, we've heard a few of them before, but uh, we're going to poke and prod and see if we can find out some new stories and uh, some new information because I feel like you've got a lot, a lot under the sleeve there. I'm not going to stop smiling all episode. I'm oh, having no, a good time. You're just a happy man. Can you take us back to where it all began? I, I, we were speaking last week, and you were telling us about um, how you're working at an RSL um, not so long ago, or maybe maybe what four or five years ago um and then how you grew up with uh ocean alley and how you sort of built their career can you take us back to where it all started and how that relationship formed and yeah yeah for sure um well i guess started for me you know you know it was thrashing around in in a few bands when i was growing up you know i was terrible the other guys were pretty good musicians but i was just bringing it all down um but back in those days yeah we couldn't get a get many shows anyway. So I started out sort of like just booking shows um, for the band I was playing in and um, that sort of snowballed a little bit working uh, or volunteering at the local youth centre on the Northern Beaches where I grew up. Um, and yeah, just sort of snowballed from there over a couple of years out of high school, booking mainly sort of punk and hardcore and metalcore shows, at the local youth centre. Um, and that was alongside going to uni after school and uh, studying forensic biology, um, was going down that path and sort of on the side. So that was booking shows and, and trying to give music a crack either on stage or behind the scenes. Um, and then, forensic yeah. biology? Yeah, fucking. Come on, on, mate. Fucking Settle down, Dexter. What's we, going we, on We there? call everyone Dexter, but you are now the closest <laughs> it comes. Well, I, I, I deferred or deferred slash uh, dropped out after two years. You can see what path I went down instead, but it was definitely... Uh, Definitely really interesting and, and, and I really enjoyed doing it. Um, but yeah, it got to a crossroads where there's about 45 jobs in the wider forensic biology uh, field in Australia. And you've got to be, uh, you know, distinction average going on to your honours or PhD. And I was just cruising on a nice credit, slightly below credit average. And um, yeah, but definitely enjoyed two years. There's really interesting stuff. Um, See, that's new information. I, I didn't know I, that. No, I didn't know. I can imagine you in a lab coat, though. I can imagine you with the bloody with the gloves on and the, and the yeah, did goggles. A few, did a few uh, subjects there, but yeah, met some great people. Obviously, at uni doing that. Um, but yeah, the the writing on the wall for me was when uh, in year two of, of forensic biology, um, one of the courses is principles of forensic biology, um, kind of like the theory behind it all. And um, one semester. Uh, that was one of the subjects and other ones were like metabolic biochemistry and all this, you know, histology and all this stuff, you know, and I scraped through passes in, you know, all these intricate science subjects and failed principles of forensic science or forensic biology or whatever it was. And that was, that was the writing on the wall where I was like, all right, maybe, uh, maybe I'm not going to score one of the 45 jobs in Australia in this field. <laughs> You're realist. Uh, I like it. So, uh, so yeah. So, and obviously alongside that, um, had a great interest in in booking shows uh, mainly um, and just yeah I guess the the early stages of kind of what would turn into managing artists but starting out it was more 
in the booking world, either booking shows, um, and then over the uh, preceding years, um, booking tours or, or, or working with either friends bands or, or bands at meetings through extensions and booking, you know, little runs of shows um, along the East Coast of Australia. Um, Are you just meeting these people just like at the bars and stuff and just going, hey, I know this band, we should do a night here? Or are you thinking like creatively like that? Or is it, how, how, how did it work? Yeah, I mean, like, it, a lot of it sort of stemmed out of that sort of local area that I was in. And I guess what it sort of became was, um, I guess there was definitely a heavy youth centre touring circuit in, this was sort of like 2010, 2011. Um, and a lot of heavy bands in particular would, you know, it wasn't necessarily let's tour Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. It was like, let's tour Gold Coast, Byron Bay, Coffs Harbour, Newcastle, Central Coast, Northern Beaches, Western Sydney. Like it was more regional, coastal, suburban sort of stuff. And just through, you know, word of mouth, but not really word of mouth, just like the shows existing in the ether and, you know, it just sort of spreads there on the line or, or just through the consciousness, I kind of became... We go as far to say the like local promoter or anything on the northern beaches, but just like if bands are sort of routing a tour, you know, it'd come uh, to me and 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 we put the show on or try to put the show on at the local youth center. Um, and just from that, you're just meeting, you're just building the network, I guess. But you know, back in those days, I'm not sitting there thinking about building network. You just, you know, you just meeting new people, getting introduced to new people, and looking to put on that show and helping them out to 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 do the tour that they're doing. Um, so yeah, definitely not over strategic in those early days, but just naturally over those years, just um, yeah, built built I guess a network up, and that sort of one thing led to another in that regard. Um, and then yeah, it was probably twenty, so about twenty thirteen it would have been. Um, yeah, decided to um, wanted to get some sort of I guess paperwork, some sort of degree. Um, so went to JMC and did a. Uh, business entertainment business management um course of bachelor of business entertainment i actually don't know what the fucking course was. <laughs> you got uh, a piece of paper mate, piece of paper, mate. Tick it off Tick it. Uh, good. did you get the photo with the hat on no it was actually uh it was actually in fiji on a on a holiday when graduation was on but uh oh yeah cruising you get, huh? you get the you get the certificate though um but that was really good learned a lot again met a lot of really great people through doing that um, and learn a lot of stuff that, you know, some of which is still relevant today. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, if you want to work in the wider music business that you need to go and get a bachelor of whatever I did. Um, but if you do, you can definitely get some really good skills out of it um, and one hell of a hex debt. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> it's all worth it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. like you, you done the school route, 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 whatever it is. How do you say that? Is it route or route? Route. You done the school route? Yeah. Well, I, was say, I think the same thing. I learned a lot of yeah. skills from doing you, that you wouldn't have learned otherwise. I wouldn't have learned. I probably wouldn't have got the opportunities. I, I, I know for a fact I wouldn't have got the opportunities I did if I didn't have my piece of paper to open that first door that it did for me. But it, fucking hell, it was an expensive first door. Yeah. But that's all yeah. right. But that's all right. You know. Yeah, you know, we'll get there one day um, with with getting rid of that that yeah that bill. So. But um, but yeah. So through I guess through that period, sort of twenty. 13, 14, um, I was still sort of booking shows. I'd uh, managing, I guess, formally managing and booking first couple of bands in that sort of 2013 period. And um, also had a crack, just, you know, putting on local events, um, 
you know, sort of mini festivals or larger scale, larger scale or larger lineups at venues and stuff. Nothing too, you know, extravagant, but, you know, something more than sort of three or four bands on a Saturday, something more branded, I guess. And so dabbling in that kind of event space. Um, and yeah, just one thing led to another and uh, started working for, for a company that, um, that yeah, booked, I guess, worked with venues and booked shows on their behalf. Um, so had a, a great roster of, of venues across New South Wales. Um, and that, yeah, just, just taught me uh, another, just sort of like fell into, I guess, another ed- line of education, I guess, in the wider business and booking business and working with venues, liaising with venues, artists, agents, you know, just developing those skills. And yeah, really, really stoked to have had that opportunity um, to, to work with that. And again, meet some great people doing that and it was actually one of the venues we booked was the Motorbell Hotel which is on the northern beaches um where like I said I grew up on the northern beaches and we'd put shows in on the northern beaches and and I guess to to come full circle with your original question of of connecting with the, the OA boys um it was just through those shows back in 2013 if there was something relevant you know back in those days bands like Ginger Safari or or the Rubens and stuff like that. Like if there was something that um, made sense for, for OA um, at that time, then, you know, I, I knew a couple of the guys. I went to school with a couple of the guys um, and just knew them through being like a local band doing really cool things um, locally. Uh, there were a couple of venues outside of the Mona Vale Hotel at that time. So, yeah, just, just sort of putting on shows like that. And, yeah, so and to, to jump ahead in their story, they'd sort of started jamming and stuff in, you know, back into 2010, 2011. And yeah, we're, we're playing a lot of shows locally and just, they just had a really cool, like underground, under the radar hype and just awareness within like the Northern Beaches community. Um, but as far as I can remember or understood at that time, um, they hadn't really played outside of Sydney, like maybe ventured into the city, but hadn't done a whole lot. So yeah, so up until... 2013 when they released um their first ep um we were just working by association but definitely not working directly yet at that point um it was 2014 actually the start of 2014 um when i was actually at a local park down in narrabang and i was with uh i played cricket that season and it was like our end of year having a few beers together like presentation i guess um, and yeah, we were just cruising, just having beers, playing some cricket, playing some footy, doing a thing. And yeah, I just noticed like, um, noticed a couple of the OA boys, they were just bringing some gear into this, this park, just, you know, not so much like, you know, a local reserve, bit more secluded than like, you know, the park on the side of the road, but still like essentially like a greenfields kind of park. So they bring in like amps and and cases like guitar cases and stuff and there's kind of like setting up like opposite side of the park to where we are and um it's like oh i think that's the ocean alley boys anyway long story short um they they'd set up it was just like a gorilla gig like a pop-up gig well as far as i know i actually can't remember what it what it was um the boys left to confirm but um whether it was like a planned gig or something or just you know text around to all the mates and say you know saturday arvo at Jamison Park in Narrabeen, see you there. Um, and then, yeah, one thing led to another and they got the generators out and they just set up to, to play this gig and there's like 
50, 100 people kind of rock up and um, just like in this park, just playing a show. And I'm like, sick, we got entertainment for the cricket presentation. How did it <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just, just sort of, uh, it actually started, big thunderstorm sort of rolled in, started pissing down rain and, um, yeah, just helped the boys sort of wrap everything up. So I had to like sort of wrap everything up, get it out of the rain and it was just kind of in passing. I just sort of like just said to to Baden and Nick, who I knew from school, um, just said, "Hey, if um, if you need any shows booked or want to book any shows or if I can help in any way, just let me know." And that was kind of the start of it. I think that was March 2014, and um, just started out kind of just pretty simply like that. It, like I said, it wasn't overly uh, strategic or, or at that point in time, you know, I wasn't thinking that. You were doing the rain dance and it was going to ruin their yep. equipment and you go and help them. And then, yeah, uh, you put the feelers out, mate. I'll, it's it's grouse. That's a runoff. To, I think I was doing a show that night at Mona Pub. I think it was like Cursor or something like that. It was something loose in, something loose in the rain. Um, so I had, to, I had to wrap it up and and, and leave. But, um, but, but yeah, like, yeah, it was just as simple as that. And then, yeah, I guess we just went from there. Um, where does Jaden come into it? Like, when does Unified come and go, hey, we need to get these guys on our roster, you know? Yeah, it's like, uh, what would it be, like two, so yeah, two years, 2016, November 2016, I joined Unified and I wasn't uh, in management. It was um, in a touring and events role, uh, which is still something I work on now with the team, kind of got a hybrid role um, at Unified nowadays. But yeah, so for two years there, um, myself and OA, yeah, just helping them build DIY on the ground. They were just working really hard. Um, that's why I said, like, not to not to go back to the, to the start, but I definitely um, don't say necessarily, like, I don't say things like, you know, oh, I built their career or how do you build their career? It was like, definitely, like, I just, if I could do anything to help them out, whether it was booking shows or a calm or, well, in those days, they were sleeping on, you know, up in Crescent Head, sleeping in the car park, sleeping under the, sleeping in swags and bushes and stuff. But, you know, pretty much for me, it was, you know, it, I, I was learning just as much as, as they were building and learning as well. Like we were learning together and we've grown together over these years. It definitely wasn't, you know, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, take credit for <laughs> building any careers. Like I was just, you know, doing whatever I could to, to help them out. Um, and that's what we did for those two years there. Um, and did a lot in the, completely independently. Um, and yeah, probably like 12 or 13 tours of Australia, I think over two years, they released um, an EP and a debut record in uh, debut record in 2016, went to New Zealand for the first time, Europe for the first time. Um, and honestly got to um, around that point in, in 2016. So alongside all of this, by that point, I'm, working at uh, Pitwater RSL, local RSL on the beaches, um, worked up to um, be kind of like a venue, one of the venue supervisors there. So I was working full-time alongside all of this. Um, and Machine. and yeah. yeah, it honestly got to the point where um, I, at that, that point in time, I had grown to that point, you know, by this, by 2016, you know, they're able to do sort of um, thousand, 1,200 tickets in Sydney and sort of 500 odd tickets in the state. So, you know, proper touring band, but this is still pre Triple J and pre, I guess, anything forward facing, pure under the radar 
um, underground kind of build. Um, and yeah, it was, it was honestly um, uh, probably got, got to the point where it was to take them to that next step to sort of get them in on radio or get them on the big festivals or do all this sort of stuff. It was above at that point in time what I had the knowledge or the connections to do. And it was a bit of a crossroads um, for me where I was like, you know, I wasn't going to wrap it up and say, see you guys. I was like, I'll do whatever I can to help you. And if I can find that person for you that can do the taking to that next level that I don't think I can, um, then I'll do that. I'm not going anywhere. Um, but yeah, it was just that crossroads where I was pretty much set to, to yeah, just stick with uh, being a venue supervisor at Pilot RSL. Again, great people, still friends I've got from that job to this day. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, a bad thing. Like it was a great, great place to work and great job, but it was definitely that crossroads in terms of being a manager and um, working in the industry where I thought, you know, I'd tapped out what I could bring to the table to, to help the band um, anymore. And then just on the side to all of that, around August or so, I, there was a that touring and events job was uh, advertised at Unified. I had a friend, good friend that, that worked at the company. I, I, there's a lot of stuff I'm leaving out of the story, but I'd, I'd met, briefly met a few, like Luke and... Um, a couple of the unified guys so DIY went up to big sound the year before which is music conference um to 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 mm. do those things that I was mentioning before that I felt I didn't have the connections or network to do like take away to the next level just you know we took every opportunity we possibly could to, to open some doors up um so I did have a, you know I'd met a few guys uh and and girls at, at the company but um yeah just threw my hat in the ring for that job and then it was literally in the space of two weeks when, like I said, in October, that crossroads where I always just sold out their biggest show to date in Sydney, 1,200 tickets. And I'm in my mind, like, you know, I had to take leave to go to that show because I'm, you know, supervising at this venue. And it was just that crossroads where it's like, I didn't want to hold them back or stop them from taking the next step, you know, just all that sort of thing. And then boom, get get an email saying um, from the Unified crew um, asking to come down for an interview um, down in Melbourne. Um, and yeah, it was like, I can't remember exactly at this time, but it was a couple of days notice or a week's notice or something. And um, yeah, we made a buddy who ended up moving down to Melbourne to spoil the story, moved, moved down to Melbourne when I got the job um, with, with me and my partner, uh, Sam. Um, we, he was working at the RSL at the time as well. And we just, we both finished our shifts on whatever day it was. I think it was a Wednesday evening, both finished our ship, shifts, jumped in the car, drove down to Melbourne, did the interview. He had an interview at a cafe that morning. Uh, I had the interview at Unified that Arvo, did the interview, jumped back in the car. So we had to get back for work Friday morning um, at the RSL. Um, and yeah, about six or seven o'clock got the, got the note saying uh, from from the Unifier crew saying uh, offering the job. Um, and if I, they were going out for beers and if, if I wanted to join, I said, oh, sorry, I'm the dog. We're about at the dog on the tucker box driving back to Sydney. Um, <laughs> you know, I got work in the morning, but uh, yeah, let's do it. And um, two weeks later, I moved down to Melbourne and kicked that job off. And as, well, I'm, the rest isn't history. I mean, we'll probably talk about it, but for, for this part of the story anyway, the rest of 
Mate, that is fucking awesome, man. I, honestly, I can totally relate to where you were in terms of, like, I, I was venue manager and doing, not venue manager, I wasn't that fucking big, but like bar supervisor and that and working in the hospitality. And yeah, I mean, to have that crossroad moment and then, you know, to work so hard and, and, and you know, work so closely with your friends in a band and then, you know, you take them to this level and then you're so selfless and then now it's come back full circle and now you're managing them again and it's, it's fucking crazy. Did that ever stop or was it more like, or was, did yeah, it keep so, continuing to go? So like I said, yeah, I came in in a touring and a, an events role at Unified, but, um, you know, like I said, I, I, it was never a case of um, just leaving the boys high and dry. It was always a case of, you know, I'll, I'll do as much or whatever I can do to help. Um, and if I can help sort of connect dots um, and find that person for you, then I will. Um, obviously, in the back of my mind, um, I knew how skilled or how many skilled managers and people there were at Unified. Um, so in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, hopeful that maybe I could learn some skills, whether I could pass them over to the boys. You know, there was a bunch of different things going on in my head. I was like, how can I, um, how can I benefit the guys like how can I learn more and, and be more of I guess an asset to them um or uh, you know just how much knowledge could I absorb and, and pass back to the band um and obviously best case scenario in my mind was you know I'm just this you know new guy coming into this company in a job that isn't management but obviously still best case scenario if I could find a way was kind of if it all worked out and the boys wanted to like could the guys be managed by unified and in a perfect world, it was me. But um, as long as, you know, like I said, as long as someone could take them to the next level that they deserve to go to and that I believed they could get to. Um, and then, yeah, it was all credit to, you know, back to your question before, um, where does Janin and, and the crew come in? Um, you know, I, I, I was honest and upfront from the start that there was this incredible band from... Sydney that that I was managing and um, kept them across it and um, at this point for reference Harry um, who still books the band to this date was booking them um, and um, another incredible person in the journey for my knowledge and, and journey in general is um, Regan from Lemon Tree Music and, and one of the artists he manages Tash Sultana and uh, between Regan and Harry got OA the opportunity to support Tash in 2017 on her, um, it was Melbourne and Sydney tour in March of 2017. So for the timeline purposes, November 16 is when I started. November 2016 is when I started Unified. So this is kind of like, you know, four or five months into the future from there. Um, so we got that opportunity and yeah, pretty much um, um, Jadon saw the guys at, at one of those shows and um, I guess it, as simple as, you know, he was blown away as, as, as I, you know, if there was one thing I was overzealous about, it was how good this band was. Um, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. You, know, yeah. you know, there's one thing like me just chewing your ear off about how good they are. It's another thing, just getting to a show and just having them blow you away with how good they are on stage. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of worked out from there. And I, you know, I guess the key thing that I was doing, it's like never get ahead, ahead of myself or, expect anything or anything like that you know still to that point I was um just saying like look if it if I can do anything to to help 
you know, get these guys in like they just deserve to 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 have someone and yeah, one thing led to another and I was given the opportunity and and still thank Jad and, and Nick Yates and the team at Unified to this day to, you know, I'm not even six months into my career working at this company and they just essentially like probably didn't say it this simply when they were jamming it behind the scenes, but essentially said, fuck it, like we didn't bring this guy in as a manager, but there's a band and it's managing them and they're fucking awesome and fuck it, like we'll just make it work. And so not that they needed to tell me, but obviously then it just gave me the fuel to be like, I've been given this opportunity. And obviously the band had to want to um, do it as well, but there was opportunity um, that I essentially had two roles then um, and wasn't going to do anything to, 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 I guess, lose that opportunity. And yeah, I guess then the rest is history. Um, but we'll probably talk about that as well. But that was, that was essentially a summary of the story. And yeah, like I said, I'd, for obviously in in the OA timeline, so much comes down to I guess what what Unified has allowed us to do, both what allowed me to do and be able to manage the guys that couple of months into to being there and taking a chance on the band, on me, on on all this sort of stuff. Um, but obviously the the other part of it that I'll just always have admiration appreciation and love for is the band for for taking that shot you know here's me fucking hightailing it down to melbourne to take this job that's not in management um you know just at any point in time they could have you know just said look we've had a good run and you know like we appreciate everything you've done or whatever but you know it's probably best if we go separate ways but just the i guess trust or whatever it was like we never really i guess unearthed what, what exactly it was i'd love to find out but just that that sort of belief and just trust and patience in the process as well so um yeah both unified and, and also ocean alley side just you know i could never um say thanks enough for, for that period of time and obviously what's what's led from it um into this symbiotic relationship where we you know always got so much out of the you know the the learning and the resources and everything that came with having the opportunity to join the unified family um, and obviously on the flip side, like the unified family, getting an incredible artist to join the ranks and, and, and everything that the band's achieved over the, the past, you know, three, four years since that point in time, um, all off their own back and as independents and, you know, but with the help of, of the unified infrastructure. Fucking hell. You must be really proud of how it's all sort of turned out so far in terms of yourself into like you've smashed it out you've done it you know you build it from you're learning on the job which we always talk about in the pod it's it seems like a commonality if you just you're putting yourself out there you're saying yes to opportunities and just sort of figuring out as you go and and building them connections and and forming them relationships um you know it's just it just goes to show doesn't it that good things happen to good people and you're sometimes a good person. and you're a good person you know and it's a incredible story and i suppose that the boys at oa have got their story to tell as well but um it's fucking phenomenal what you've been able to build in such a short amount of time like you think of a career it's a long career you know and it's 100%. not just that's not like a time cap sort of was, thing was there a moment like once you were with unified and you're still doing the stuff with oa was there a moment that you remember that they you're just like fuck they've blown up mm. like when did they go from being underground like you mentioned to now like they're they're monstrous yeah 
yeah, I guess, um, you know, I guess just one answer. I don't know. You'll probably rinse me for this as well, but you know, now our eyes, we, you know, the, the growth or, you know, the work doesn't stop, you know, like where we're at now, it's kind of like, you know, we still keep working just as hard and, and we're still, you know, just as grounded and just as, you know, I guess eye on the prize, if you want to use that sort of term, but just, you know, nothing's changing in that respect, the same sort of hunger and um, sort of focus and um, drive and all those things that existed in 2014 uh, when I first came aboard to, to 2016 to 2018 to, to now. It's like, it's still the same, but I guess to, to answer your question, um, in that 2017 period, um, so the band just continued uh, doing what they do, working hard on the road. Uh, like I said, still at early, mid-2017, um, they still hadn't sort of uh, nestled in yet, uh, gotten the break or cracked the code or whatever you want to call it with uh, the Triple J crew. Um, and we got an opportunity and it was, uh, again, shout out to to Nick Yates at Unified, who's an incredible manager. Um, and he connected the dots um, and gave me an intro to, to service what was the new single for OA at that time, which was the come down. And that was in August, 2017, um, or like late July, 2017. And yeah, uh, introduced me to the, the servicing team at, at Triple J and, and service the come down. And we were lucky enough to have the come down premiered um, on Good Nights with Linda, who was the host of Good Nights at the time. And that was, that was if you're going to sort of, hone in on anything that was like the break or the opportunity or the door opening. Um, we knew that, or we'd like to believe anyway, that because of what we were building independently and organically on the road over all those years, if we ever got a shot on the radio, um, that there was enough of, I guess, a groundswell or just like that organic fan base that we could consolidate on it. Um, but like I said, you know, can never have that, sort of thought that you're owed anything or you deserve it or any, you just got to do the work and hope that you get the opportunity and then hope that, you know, you can consolidate off it. But for us, if we're going to put, you know, hone in on anything, it's definitely getting that opportunity um, to, to have, to service to come down and, and picture a premiere and, um, and yeah. And then it sort of went from there. We were lucky enough to have the song, uh, added to rotation on Triple J from there. And then, you know, from there, it kind of, that was, I guess that was step one in the consolidation. Because for reference, the guys had, had worked their asses off and gotten to the point that before getting that song on radio, they'd sold out to Metro Theatres in Sydney, which is like 1,000 tickets each. So 2,000 tickets they'd sold in Sydney and they'd sold a corner hotel and they'd sold yeah. uh, the Trifford um, in Brisbane. So they got to that level themselves, but again, all credit, this is the kind of band and hard workers that they are. They'd sold out the Trifford, which is 700 capacity um, in Brisbane. But then they got the opportunity to play Big Sound, which was like the following week in Brisbane. I think we'd, we'd had a Byron Bay show in between. And um, I guess they, they saw it as an incredible opportunity, which it was. Um, and it's not casting stones or, or, or saying that anyone else wouldn't have done that. But let's just say that 
a lot of artists probably that are the inferior at selling those sorts of tickets probably feel they don't need to, to play a, an opportunity like Big Sound. But the kind of guys that they are, um, they, they jumped at the opportunity uh, and we played two showcases at, at Big Sound a week after they sold out their own Brisbane show um, in venues that were arguably smaller capacity than what they just sold out. And they gave those shows just as much energy and, and everything that they, they did their ticketed shows. Um, and then, yeah, it was, it was a big sound that, that we came out of it with um, being able to connect with um, our North American booking agent team that we, we still work with to this day. Um, so yeah, that, that, if there's a lesson to be learned, not that I'm here preaching or teaching, but there's a lesson to be learned. It's just kind of like, can make an opportunity and, and get something out of just anything, no matter, you know, no matter what the circumstance or if you think it's past you or whatever, um, any opportunity like that, you can, you know, it can, can help the growth. Um, so yeah, definitely, again, going back to your original question, that sort of August, September, 2017, just the concoction of getting the opportunity at Triple J alongside that already playing these incredible shows and then the big sound opportunity and, and connecting with the North American crew, that was kind of like the breakthrough, you know, using a cliche term like that, not that we're sitting there being like, fuck yeah, we've broken through, like, this is our moment, like roll the credits. But <laughs> if you want to like, you know, hone in on something. Um, yeah. Insane. It seems like a bit of like being, the combination of being a good person and having a good product, having, being good at what you do and being a good person and like, going to these events, like you mentioned before, like it was going to these different things where you met these people where they gave you the opportunity. So it's more about putting yourself out there, creating the luck for yourself and, and putting yourself in them positions where you get to meet these types of people and talk about the stuff that, you know, you want to talk about and your vision and what you got planned and stuff like that. It all makes sense. Well, everyone's been, and you know, I talk about good people. Everyone's been saying good things about you, Dan. Oh, behind your back. You should hear the dirty talk about you. Oh, it's all good. We're trying to get him yeah. to say something bad, you know, and say no, something. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's no dirt on the man. Is there? I'm sure there is somewhere. We'll get it. But eventually we'll get it out. But mate, I want to know, this is why one thing that we, we talk a lot, a lot about is that you're the guru of authentic brand building. Mm. Give us your thoughts. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna say that that's not the case. Uh, <laughs> it is the case. You're very humble. You're very humble. Um, mate. You, you talk about a lot about community and 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 that sort of thing. And um, we definitely sustainable foundations. Yeah, look, the pillars. Like you're talking about pillars and shit. Like we, you know, you're fucking. You're on it. Yeah, I guess it's again. It's just taking the great lessons from people both around me, um, whether it's at Unified or the people I met beforehand and, and learned great lessons from. Um, but also it's the team, I guess the core OA team or the OA family um, that I refer to them as anyway. I don't know if that's what we refer to each other as, but um, I don't know if this is the the part that we, the, I'm shouting out people, but um, you know, there's a incredible creative collective from the Northern Beaches called The Source. That's three legends um, who bring a I guess a different um, each have a, a, a different primary skill set in the creative sphere that kind of meet in the middle and they, they're all like good at everything in that space. But um, you know, Tyler, Tyler Bell, who's one of the gents, he's done, you know, I think every music video that we've, we've ever done um, Tyler and, and Kane who uh, 
Kane has pretty much done um, the majority of of artwork, at least um, um, the last record, but a lot of tour posters and stuff. But um, and press shots and, and photos and, and and Mike Askew, um, a lot of animation and website. And so you just got that sort of core three. But prior, you know, in the early days as well, like again, like just friends, but friends with that had these skills. There was, you know, the first the band's first EP and debut record was done by this incredible artist Jojo Lee, who um, local again, just a local legend in the in the community. Um, um, Nick Bentley, another local artist, did a lot of merch and, and tour posters in there as well. And then, yeah, Cal, Callum Howe, who's outside of the, the band's first EP uh, and one other single, has pretty much produced and engineered everything the band um, has ever released and is also the band's front of house and production manager um, on the road as well. So I guess the reason for shouting out all those legends um, and there's, there's many more I could spend the next three hours telling you about all the people that have had a positive impact on this band and me and, and the, the team as a whole. Um, but, you know, go back to, to whether it's building communities, ground up, um, building, you know, fan base on the road with hard work or, you know, the whether it's community engagement um, and aligning with, with organisations doing great things um, that we try our best to do as much as we can um, whether it's you know the aesthetic, the the artwork, how that intertwines between merchandise and tour posters and stage vigils, uh, vigils, visuals, um, <laughs> a bit more. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I guess it's just all it's 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 not any one person, but it also couldn't be done unless all those people are part of you know the the core family. And and obviously I'll I'll keep I'll keep coming back to it, but it's the band as well, and both what they bring to the table as creatives uh, and as people, as great people, but also the trust um, and and I guess harmony if you want to call it that, but just the trust that they put in in all these friends and creatives to either bring their vision to life or bring a vision to life that aligns with what they're looking for, um, and I guess yeah, it's just concoction of all of that and, and I guess my role in it is just to to do what I can to I guess steer the ship and 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 just not to try to be like overly structured or anything but just try to be disrupt uh, bring a bit of structure and, and and strategy to it all um and I guess that's you know with everyone doing their thing and, and bringing their particular skill and 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 value and all that to the table that's how we're able to do what we do um particularly from a creative sense I mean I could you know, I could ramble for days about touring and all the incredible people that we have that, that bring the show to life. You know, I use the word symbiotic because, well, actually symbiotic's not necessarily the right word here, but it's it's more so um, just we, well, I guess it is. It's, it's the show or the creative or everything can't happen with it. If, if one of those cogs, if one of those people, um, whoever it is from our incredible stage team to... To, to came behind the lens or, or Tyler shooting the vids or, you know, rolling out socials or doing everything that we do. Like you take one of those incredible people out of the machine and, um, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't work. Um, we'll, we'll make it work. We always do, but 
the reason it has gotten to and continues to grow and all those things is because of all the great people that make up the team. Right, and I'll tell you what, that when since we've started talking and that has come out in spades when you talk about the people you work with and the OA team and the trust that you have. And Locke and I have definitely felt that with getting some advice and talking to you about what we're doing. And it's been, I don't know, like this is coming, I, I guess we can probably say this now because it's coming out in the future, but hopefully we've seen some fucking unreal work. We had a chat today with Kane oh, from the Kano source. Kano Insano from the source. He's just one of the coolest cats you'll ever come across. And we already, we're already pumped. We're laughing because we're like, how are we going to say this about being in the future? And like <laughs> our last snacks episodes about aliens or whatever. So it's like feeling a bit weird, but we're fucking pumped. I know everyone, surely everyone's by now has seen something that we've put out by Kane and they're loving it. And they, they're, they're sort of digging what we're putting out. And we're, yeah. we're stoked. We're tagging like a madman. He's a, he's a cool dude. And, you know, when you just come across, like, it's like you were saying, when you find people in the team that can just, like, it's anything better than I could ever imagine in my head. And it's something like, it's like a product that I'm in love with, but it's not, you know, and to have your name attached to something like that, you're like, fuck, like, it actually is incredible. And that's when you see the value in teamwork and other people that that bring your vision to a, a, a different reality, like a different world. And you're like, holy fuck, we're in this together. And this is bigger than anything we can imagine. Did I just overanalyze everything there or is that? No, hundred percent. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's, you know, and, and I'm not going to speak on behalf of the band or put words in their mouth, but I think they, they feel the same in the sense of like, you know, at the end of the day, like whether it's me or Tyler or, or any of the crew in the shadows, as we like to be, um, you know, we yeah, couldn't Bruce. do what we do or, forget the strategy and the vision and the structure and all that shit. Like we couldn't do what we do if A, the band didn't give us the opportunity to, but also like if they didn't write this incredible music and play these incredible shows, like, you know, so we're just forever grateful to have the opportunity, but also that they do what they do. But I, you know, I, I, I guess that at least, you know, with a lot of the team, whether it's the stage team that uh, in front of house team and, and lighting crew that, that make the shows look incredible and, and happen, um, you know, they it goes both ways, and I guess that's that symbiotic relationship that I said. Like we we coexist, we need each other to be a you know to be able to operate at the highest level, do what we do, you know. And I think where did you, you see like your strengths where you were like, I I bring this to the table, and I think I'm really good at this, rather than saying, oh, this is what I learned and stuff. Was there anything that you were like, oh, I know I can bring this to the table and oh, I'm really good at this and I can sort of delve like deeper into that. Like the management, when you said you got the opportunity, was it like, oh, I could have been doing this from the start. Like, this is what I love doing. Like, these are my strengths kind of thing. I guess it came, you know, from from working like, you know, I was, a, like I said, I did working in RSL with with a great team of people there and and got the opportunity to to either manage staff or, or manage a floor crew or whatever it might be. And prior to that, you know, working either even if it was running shows or if in you know booking shows and being the point of contact or in you know technically the the show, the manager or the the coordinator of the show and you know like I said doing DIY tours you know bringing bands from overseas and all this sort of stuff is all kind of I guess bits and pieces or derivatives of management um but you know it wasn't necessarily like fuck how good am I at this because that's not what I sort of do it's more so I want him I to say something just, good you know like I want him to pump himself up a bit come on enjoyment that I got out of I guess whether it was coordinating tours or running shows and um yeah it was just that enjoyment that less that 
I'm good at this more so that whatever, what I'm, I can do something that has a positive impact on whether it's this show, me being here and running the door or booking the show and liaising with the staff and making sure the band is sweet and on stage, like that's providing a positive impact for this show being able to happen. You know, it's, and I, I think it's just a mixture of all that goes, you know, into the RSL where it's like, I enjoyed, you know, if I could help, even if it was as simple as, you know, a night shift team and, or, you know, working in the restaurant part of the restaurant and getting on the pass, you know, I was on the pass and, you know, getting the meals out and stuff like that. Even if it was something like that, if I could, if I felt that I could have a positive impact on a situation, um, whether it was, you know, managing Ocean Alley or, or running the pass on a Friday night at Pitwater RSL, it's like, I guess an enjoyment I got out of that, knowing that I could bring something to the, bring something to the table, literally in this when working. <laughs> Here you go, sir. <laughs> At the table. That's why we love you, Dan. <laughs> oh, you have to be a serial killer or something. No one we can do. be this totally. serial, forensic scientist. He's like, chopping up bodies. I don't, no one can be this squeaky clean, nice and good and just gooey. I just want to give you a cuddle every time I see you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, we can't talk about Ocean Alley without talking about Jack Botts. I mean, you're working with him as well. Um, you know, we've got a bit of the backstory uh, previously, but can you sort of explain how you, you know, started the relationship with him? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was actually, uh, it was October 2018 and a, and a good friend of mine, um, Bernie. I was not at Big Sound that year because um, Sam, my partner, was was heavily pregnant um, with our little, little man, Peyton, um, who's now just turned two in October. Um, so I was in a big sound that year and Bernie sent me a link or just let me know. It's like, you got to check out, go check out this dude. Um, I think Jack was actually busking at big sound. So he wasn't playing at big sound. He was just busking in the Valley up in Fortitude Valley. Um, and he sent to me and I, I, I'm pretty sure at that point, either Jack had just released his first song. Yeah. He would have just released his first song or it was a private SoundCloud link. Um, keep in mind this is about 37 weeks um, into sound. We're pretty on the brink of, uh, not that I was doing anything, but maybe it was about uh, <laughs> support, uh, mate. You know, <laughs> you know the, the mind's a bit fuzzy. Um, but um, but essentially, the it was quite simple with Jack, where it was literally, you know, always on tour at this point as well, Unify Festival that I work on that's in full swing and on the sale and happened in January. Um, little ones about to come into the world and pretty much like now's not the time. And, and also like, I'd, I'd never thought that I, you know, nurture or develop or manage another artist, all those factors. It's like, now's not the time where I'm looking to take another artist or I'm doing anything like I can't. And then, yeah, I hear this, I hear this song home to you. And I was just like, well, fuck, like, this is incredible. Um, and again, just as simple as what I was explaining before, where it's like, I feel I could help in some way at the very least. I'd just have a chat to Jack and is there any way I can help? Like, what? like at that point, I just heard a song and, and heard that um, Bernie met him busking in Fortitude Valley at Big Sound. Like, that was the story. Um, so I was, at the very least, it's just... I'd love to connect and just learn more. And then again, like one thing led to another. And I think 
know how best to explain it. Like in short, it was just the, I don't know whether I'm formulaic or something, but it's like when you just know, you know. And it's like, when I heard it, it was not the time. I didn't have the time. Like I said, everything's happening. But, and again, it's not like at that point, I'm like thinking about management and all this sort of stuff. I was just like, can I help in some way? And I remember speaking to Jad and I think Peyton was born by this point, um, like a week old or something. And I'm on paternity leave, you know, helping around the house. But let's say that Peyton was having a nap and Sam was having a nap and I was able to jump on the phone for 30 minutes. But um, In the toilet, yeah. <laughs> just shut the door. I remember Jad and like being like, like, you know, you're too busy. And it was just one of those things where it's just like, you know, like this, like, I don't know. I was probably making no sense, but whatever, whatever sense it was, it was essentially like, no, I, like, I, we can do this. I can do this. Um, and again, all the credit I gave to, to OA of giving me a shot. Um, it was the same with Jack. Um, so yeah, Jack, incredible young singer songwriter from, from Northern rivers, uh, up in Byron Bay, but originally from Brisbane. Um, and yeah, so since that point in 2018, um, I guess there's a bit of parallels, just building it really organically. Again, working really hard, or Jack working really hard on the road, um, uh, even through everything this year's thrown up. Um, and yeah, just just making inroads and building this really cool organic fan base around the country, um, writing incredible music, like really just, I guess just he, his first EP, um called summer nights it's like that's literally the embodiment of his music it's kind of like summer nights put on some jackpots and just float away um just really soulful incredible storytelling he's an incredible musician uh and a great dude and yeah um it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to work with him and, and help nurture his career um yeah there you go mate he's just moving and shaking old nasdaddy huh He's just getting it done. Well, tell us about. Um, well, no, we've got on the on the rundown here. We've got some some podcasts that we know you love. Um, besides, obviously, funny business. You obviously, love obviously, obviously. But um, you know, when we first started chatting, you mentioned a lot about the Ringer. Is it Bill Simmons? Correct. Yeah, I, I haven't. Still haven't. I t- I tell you every time I'm going to check it out, but I really haven't checked it out. <laughs> it's, it's good though, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, you like it? Yeah. No, um... Again, I'll, I'll give credit. Um, I got introduced to Bill and, and the Ringer uh, by Luke Logan from Unified, um, who both coordinates and 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 books the, the Unified Gathering lineup, but also runs the recorded music division at Unified. Um, yeah, I, I around 20, 2015, 2016, I'd, I'd properly gotten into MBA, um, and that had sort of corresponded with moving down to Melbourne and and Luke and a couple of guys down here, big NBA fans. And just, yeah, one thing led to another, got introduced to um, The Ringer because they do a lot of NBA content. Um, but yeah, it's just, I guess, that's why there was, from from when we first started talking, there was just such an interest because it's, it's so hard to explain, I think, to when either people either don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I mean, people who listen to this probably listen to podcasts but um you know just explaining like a podcast network and um just the universe um referencing the ringer um just what they do 
um, I guess they're journalists first, so you know it's content first and articles and stuff like that. But just the the breadth that they do, which is like mixing sport and I guess uh, current affairs and stuff like that, but with pop culture, um, music, film, um, and Bill in particular was known for that for for years and years when he wrote at ESPN. He did sort of work in all these like pop culture references and like you know referencing the film heat in like a you know an article about game six of you know whatever series and stuff like that i'm just crossing these worlds um and that's literally that's my bread and butter that's like my hobby it's like is is sport and um and film and music and you know just that that concoction um, oh it's like porn for you isn't it you just uh you know you, you put the the blinds down lights and candles and listen to the ringer <laughs> yeah you know uh if uh if stan goes to bed she'll she'll, she'll come out i'm playing a game of 2k or something i got you know i don't have headphones because they're busted so i got the phone on my shoulder i've just got this podcast just cranking in my ears it's like what are you doing bloody weirdo um but uh but yeah just just yeah just that that kind of world and that crossover um yeah big fan of it they don't do a whole lot of music stuff on the ringer they do do some um but yeah it's uh it's definitely just yeah big interest in mine and just crosses all those paths people who are listening to this one like you said obviously listen to podcasts but one thing that we've had we're with you on what you're saying because we've had this conversation obviously not not on while it's on record but it's confusing trying to explain to people what's going on with the opportunity that exists with podcasts. And we, we even had a chat to Rollo, the dude that um, Adam Rollo from ACAST. And he was saying here in Australia, like we're four to five years behind because he's come from the UK. He's a pommy dude. He's going over there and working hard, like pretty heavily in podcasts. And he was just surprised when he come here and they're making a bit of a push into mm. podcasts. It's the ringer is one of the, the big examples, like Joe Rogan, these big ones are coming out. Like, Australia haven't, I guess there's a few that are big ones, but like I mentioned, is that what took your interest in what, like podcasts? Like, did you see that here in the same market? Yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, especially with, I think as well with those two examples you mentioned, but in particular with the ringer, um, like I'm well aware of Joe Rogan. I just don't uh, listen to a whole lot of his stuff, but definitely aware of, I guess um, he's not podcast only like, it's a it's a bigger brand that he's built, like whether it's stand up or, or other forms of content. Um, obviously, the other ones, Gary V, in terms of like this sort of like broad, um, you know, podcast plus some. Um, and that's like I was saying about the Ringer. It's kind of like they're a website first in the sense of like articles and um, you know journalistic kind of stuff first. And the podcast didn't so much come second, but um, you know, was sort of corresponding with that i guess the the reason for rambling about that is because i feel um and it's not casting stones at, at a lot of podcasts that do come out of australia but whether they're sort of helmed by people with profile already um or people starting uh, new podcasts a lot of the time and not always but a lot of the time like the focus is on let's establish this podcast and let's build this podcast rather than um you know, those references we just had, the podcast is a real key piece. And if in some cases, like the ringer, like the key piece is the podcast or the podcast networks, but there's more going on than just the podcast. It's kind of like 
an overall brand or there's a variety of branches uh, or, or things that are helping either build the podcast directly or indirectly. Um, so, and, you know, again, not to, to jump ahead or, or to, to, to give any spoilers away, but that's, you know, when first talking about everything you guys had in mind, where it was kind of like the podcast is, you know, front and center of what we're doing, but, you know, Hey, if this podcast can, can blow up and do its thing, then incredible, but we want it to be part of something bigger um, and, and, you know, either other things influencing the podcast or vice versa. Um, and again, like, you know, building a community, whether that's um, through the podcast or in and around the podcast, um, I think that's what they do really, or they've done really well in, in those examples that we talked about out of the US or um, examples out of the UK and stuff. And again, there's some incredible podcasts that come out of Australia. Um, but if anything, the ones that maybe don't necessarily take off how they should, um, possibly that's that's why, because it's not like a full kind of network or, or full operation. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the what was yeah. What was the um, article that I sent to him on Slack before? Or I sent to you and it was like oh, 30 okay. minutes long and it was like... I sent it about 10.45 at night. Dan <laughs> sends it. It's a 48-minute read. <laughs> hey, have a look at this. Read this, Dan. <laughs> let, us, let us know what you think ASAP, man. Um, read it on we, five speed because that's why I listen to the podcast on. Yeah, 100%, mate. 100%. But we ended up sending the, taking the same screenshots. I forget what it is now, but um, it was funny. Building community. Um, yeah. You know, just... Because, yeah, even even just off the top of my head, if I'm just throwing something out there, but say if you reference like a Batuta Advocate, it's like the Batuta Advocate, the podcast, and, you know, full disclosure, like I, I don't think I've listened to the Batuta Advocate podcast, but the point is that the reason I know that there is one is because it's part of like that, you know, network they've created with, if anything, it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek kind of ringer setup where it's kind of like they've got the website and the articles that, that's kind of like the, the driver um, and whether they still run the podcast or not, but it's just an example, I guess, of a podcast that exists as part of something bigger and, mm. you know, say whatever you like. I've never met the guys. They seem like real funny dudes, obviously the content they come up with, but they're obviously built a community, um, you know, with doing what they're doing. And yeah, I think that that just goes back to, you know, what the ringer have done and Joe and Gary B and what you guys are, are doing as well. So I think you can't like your, your key, the, the, the selling point or the key asset can't, or the key building block can't be the podcast itself. If that makes sense, even though it's still integral, it's still got to, <laughs> that makes sense. Like, what do you guys think? How about I throw it back to you? What's, what's your, Oh, hundred percent agree. We said it from the start. Like when we first started the podcast, we're like, we want to treat it like a band. We want it to be a little bit different. Like we've seen the way all things, like you talk about taking inspiration from other people and stuff. I feel like we just sort of Frankenstein sort of whatever we sort of thought and didn't really, we consumed a lot of content for years and years and years. And then we're like, you know what? It's time to go and not really look too much and just sort of just action the ideas. And as we sort of formed it, we realized, you know, we were building something and then sort of turned into that and turned into that. And it all sort of come down to sort of hard work. And then you realize that there's all these different opportunities and it's sort of just from starting it and just sort of putting it out there and not really having much intention and um, just sort of being open, but having the hard work and determination, just smash it was like, all right, well, whatever other opportunities are available and how can we refine it and, and make it better. And um, like you said, bring, bring, 
a, a new vision to life. Like it's things are constantly evolving and changing. If that's one thing we pride ourselves on is that we change our mind all the time. We're not like stuck in this one thing. Where we're like, Oh, this is what we really, you know what I mean? Like we're always sort of adapting and and seeing the new opportunities and, and that, and that, that, you know, that para, that runs parallel with the vision and, and all that stuff and um, building out different things and not just being the podcast. It's more than that. It's like a scene, it's a culture, it's a movement, it's a community, it's the people like, yeah, that's what spurs us on, doesn't it? Well, we're excited. Like this year is we're releasing this, and it's I think it's 2021. It's 2021. We're in the future. We're in the future, and it's the new year, and we're full time trying to build out things around this. And like you mentioned, Dan, like talking about what we're actually doing, it's we're really I should fuck. We're fucking pumped. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be insane what we have to do and how what steps are needed next but we know that we've done the last what would be 10 months now by the time this has come out and having i guess total focus on something like we've had been split focus and being having to do things before hours after hours trying to figure out how to scramble to get things done and learning how to do new skills how do you do a podcast how many podcasts should we do like it's been big yeah like if we were just talking before like if we were trying to write it out like a like write out a manual or something how we've done it there's like so much stuff has happened in eight months where it's like fuck like the learning's been super rapid hasn't it like and the growth and everything well, you, yeah look back and we're, we're having a chat in our, in our podcast we recorded this afternoon we said i'll go back and listen to our first episode and have a laugh but it's something that's helped us come out of our skin more than anything i reckon and it's solidified our own belief in ourselves and what we bring to the table as people and our skill sets and the feedback we get from people is that they 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 enjoy the experience of coming on and having a chat with us on the show and it's that for us it's like well we know that the content we're putting out there by allowing people to feel comfortable have a good time have a chat and just no like all cards on the table no agendas just just chat mm. and what's happened is that we know that people on the other end, all the people who are listening are getting so much inspiration and value out of these conversations. And mm. we're pumped that we can really put as much energy as we can into making this, whatever it can get to. That's it. And like, you know, the, the, the one, I guess, real, uh, wow, just lost the word for it. Uh, whether it's just credit or, or accolade that I can give to you guys and, and comparison with, with going back to Bill Simmons, you listen to you listen to Bill have a conversation with a guest. Um, you know, Bill's guests range from you know Steph Curry and Kevin Durant to like Denzel Washington and Al Pacino and Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam and like um, Jack Dorsey. I think that's his name. The the CEO of Twitter. Like just yeah. all these like you know the creme de la creme of like you know really big, incredible careers and people. Um, but Bill. Bill's just having conversations with him. There might be a purpose as to why they're on a pod, you know, promoting a new film or whatever it might be, but he just gets them comfortable and they're just talking. They're just having a conversation. Um, you know, he's, there's, there's this incredible chat I always remember that he had with Matt Damon. It was kind of like just listening to two, two, two dudes just catching up over a beer at Sunday barbecue or something. And the reason for mentioning all that and the biggest crossover and, and um, you know, pump up that I can give to you guys is because that is what you do when you do your episodes and speak to these incredible guests that you have is well, that you, mate. Well, I'll settle down. Shut up and take but, uh, it, mate. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But um, no, it's, it's literally like you, you're just having conversations. Like you're still asking questions and we as the listener are still learning so much from the guests and, and, and from yourselves. And, and the topics are always so informative and, and have so much education to come out of them. But just the environment that you guys create is just so comfortable um, and allows people to just chat and there's no there's no agenda um it's just having a great conversation and whether that is that's why the guests or why the guests have a great time and have a great chat with you and then in turn it's why the listener enjoys listening to you guys and why you're building this community because you're just building this community of people that either just want to have great conversation cruisy conversation uh and learn when they're doing it or listen to great conversation and learn while listening to it. And that is the biggest, I still can't find the word. There is a word for it. Let's just go with accolade. That's the biggest accolade that I can give you guys. And what I love so much about what you do is that you just create that comfortable environment. So just cop that compliment and just rock it. Own it. I was going to say, can we stick that on the website? Or yeah, get we a website? Uh, we'll print it off. Uh, we'll get Same. Going. Yeah, we get came came from the source. Whip up something good, huh? Easy. Put that on a tile, huh? Put that on a tile, huh? That's good. Yeah. Oh, mate. Money business is the Bill Simmons of Australia, quote end quote. You can yeah. Yeah, you can write that down. Huh? Like that. You can write that. But down. No, but it's but all you know, not that it's a joke, but like all jokes aside, in front of like that's that's legit. The the correlation, I guess, between you know people the level what Bill's created and, and Joe Rogan and Gary Vee, um, the Shameless Pod out of Australia, like all these incredible podcasts built communities, you know. And again, if I just do one final reference to Bill, it's like it's come from that journalistic background where, think about it, you're writing columns in these papers, you're building this kind of like army of readers, right? People like, you know, the mailbags, the, the picking up the paper to read your thing. And, I, you know, I've never wrote a newspaper so i don't know exactly the mechanics of it all but it's kind of like that was the early 2000 late 90s early 2000s versions of this the difference was the people were communicating to you through like the the mailbags we wrote into a newspaper i don't do you guys ever write and give some comments to the local newspaper you know the section i'm talking about where you chime in and yeah, yeah. You know? yeah 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 it's a different way of building and and trying to explain it to people like i know rob said before like even like friends and family who just don't really understand what's happening even with us at the moment like you know we recently quit our jobs and it's like what to do all this different stuff like with your background and my background it's very different and and unusual and to explain the opportunities and and what's in front of us is 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 hard because it's hard to comprehend and 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 you know, give it, give a straight answer. Cause the reality is who knows, you know, the sky's the limit. And I feel like that's the big motivator and that's the exciting part is just not really knowing what's around the corner, but being able to build something so authentically um, surrounded by awesome people who can do things way better than we could ever imagine. Like, it's just, it honestly feels like a dream. Like I feel like 2020 is a dream and we're just waking up. Hopefully we don't wake up. I don't know if we wake up for us. 2021. So I hope we're woken <laughs> yeah. up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but that's just how like it's 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 a hard thing you know like and, and I'm sure like it's just a new sort of phase of life like um when music you know first bright you know you had Elvis Presley and and then became like rock and roll and all the punk scene and then like that was sort of part of our parents sort of thing so it's not like it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago it's more like it's just a new wave of something different that 
people just have to get used to. It's like we talk to people all the time. Like today, we spoke to um, Big Dicky for FIFA, for FIFA, from um, Vaya. Yeah. So and, and he was saying the same thing, wasn't he? Well, I just think you speak about this a lot, and you talk about podcasts as the next wave of people understanding and still caring about what you're putting out there. And like, I, I think for what we're we've done and how we've we've approached it since we started is we talk on topics that should sometimes be boring as fuck and like people like to get people to sit down and listen one thing that we talk about why we're, we're, we're proud of what we've been doing is that we're getting people to sit down and like it's so hard to catch capture people's attention at the moment we you reference gary v and his his whole thing is the the biggest currency in the world at the moment is attention and we're getting people to sit down and talk about shit that we know is providing value and it's meaningful shit so it goes back to your purpose dan why you like to be involved in things doesn't matter where you where you work and what you're actually doing but if you're providing a positive impact. And I think that's why the three of us get along so well is because we know that what we're doing here is actually making, it's bigger than us. It's making something good out in the world. And for fuck, for fuck's sake, I didn't, it's hard to like, you get to a point and you go, that's, I can really get behind that. I feel good about that. I found some passionate purpose. I've got energy, you know? Yeah. I can fill my cup and work at the same time. You know what I mean? Where it's like, that's what, that's the commonality, isn't it? A lot of people, it's never, work it's not draining if it's draining then it's not right you know what i mean like it's you need to be energized by what you're doing like you have shit days it's still fucking hard with yeah you. You get tired it's still hard cooked, but it's we never good. say oh we're, not, we're gonna stop this is too hard we've never ever even thought about saying that i haven't anyway no. have you <laughs> no so it's more like yeah you know the trains pack, wrong packing shirts the other day you want to want to wrap it up he, he, did. he was like is it even worth it i go bro an hour oh. of just folding bloody t-shirts. Huh? Not an hour. He, that's so, why he so, didn't get the job at JJ's when he was 15. He tells he tells a good story, but you, you take, couldn't get a job at JJ's. JJ's. Maybe they saw how he folds the fucking t-shirts. To be honest, did you fucking fold one of them in the last three <laughs> nah. things we've said? You haven't nah. folded one nah. t. So you're, you're the folder. <laughs> you're, hey, he's operations. You know what I mean? You got to get. Uh, you true. You want to take oh, over no, operations? I don't, I don't, oh, no, no, no. The truth is, <laughs> I love the support that everyone is and every single package's t-shirt's been folded and a note's been written and they've all been sent with love but it doesn't mean i enjoy doing that you know that's transparent isn't it that's that's it's the truth with that's, love. The, that's the honest truth it's honest truth yeah because with love because we but... we don't have to leave notes you know what i mean but we know it's important but we, do we love doing it dan i, don't oh, know, I do you dan, don't. I don't know if i told you this story but we 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 did we, we didn't tell him? We didn't tell him. Oh, I don't even so know what you're talking about. We, we met with Erica and Alan from Fluff. Um, for We appeared on their vlog, which is already, we've already put out. But when we sent them their tees, Locke did a doodle. We told you in the story today with Kane. With Kane. Locke did the doodle on the card to say thank you for this, like to nice things for the Fluff girls. And he asked today, oh, Alan, what did you think of, uh, what did you think of my doodle? The drawing. Yeah. And she's like, what drawing? So Erica obviously didn't think it was worthy of even show. She just thrown it in the bin and she was all embarrassed and got to think it was so funny. I even took a photo at everything because I was like, I took, it was like a watermelon on a skateboard. He wanted, like, to, he wanted to put it on the fridge, his uh, own fridge. I'm like, am I going to do the merch move over Kane from the source? Have a look at me. I'm on grouse on Canva, free version. You know what I mean? But so, uh, it turns out it was shit. Maybe uh, watermelon on a skateboard. Yeah, that's just print that back up the truck. Let's go. Well, that's what I thought. You know, eh? it's a good no. combo. Some people don't get it. I'm like, you know what? Alien head with the balloon. Like, I've just I've got me and different ideas. You know, eh? <laughs> I just can't do it. I'll be eating a donut. You know, that's hey, it. 
Yes. Well, you're the visionary behind our snacks title that you've already seen. Everyone's already seen. So you, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet, but he's, he's, it's a good reference point because it's the pink, pink donut with the bite out of it. That's a C. That's the C of the snacks. That's the C. That's, fun. that's, that's kind of, you know, creative vision that I bring to the table. You know? <laughs> we love that. I, I hope you're tagged in that because, you know, source of inspiration should be credit, you know, yeah, credit starting point. Mate, you mentioned Gary V before. We've mentioned a couple of times and, we got to see your uh, sports NBA sports card collection yeah, we, the other day, and they're out on show. It's and- like the forty-year-old virgin, you know that movie when he, he's got all the <laughs> things. He's, you go over his house, and you, they were sealed, weren't they? They were sealed, and like, don't don't touch the. Who do you who do you need to get lots of points this year for them to be worth a fortune? Because for the people who uh, follow follow sports cards and Pokemon cards, and like, people stop investing in stocks and just invest in sports cards. Yeah, so I was actually chewing uh, chewing the missus ear off the other day about how it's, you know, becoming the alternative investment. And uh, she was like, good on you. Um, you know, I'm sure bike. she would have loved that. Take dance. out the super. Yeah. <laughs> like, buy them all, buy them all. Rambling on, I was like, watch this 20-minute video. And she's like, leave me alone. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, I've only, it's, it's something that, you know, over the last couple of months, definitely like a, a lockdown habit, I guess. I, I definitely don't have the story of like, you know, when I was eight and I've got all these, you know, fucking Michael Jordan or whatever rookie cards, you know, hopefully some of my older friends uh, that are into basketball that I might've mentioned earlier on this pod uh, were collecting cards back in the day. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, I'm still learning about it all, but it's definitely something that I think because of the strength of last year's yeah last year's rookie class in the nba has kind of just brought a resurgence to just the card market um again i could be talking complete crap but from what i've read and what i see i think it's that influence and i'd say covid and just being at home and having more time to sit on ebay and and watch the the legends that do sort of card breaking or or opening the boxes and and all this sort of stuff but i think it's a combination of, of those two things and and yeah like as you said the last month or so it's just going skyrocketing even more um to the point where as i just referenced i watched a video and read an article the other night about how i, I don't know if they're listed on the american stock exchange yet but there is a company that is going to be listed or is listed that you can buy stock in that is essentially like they buy like sports cards and like they just bought a um i think it was a Giannis. Antetokounmpo, for those that don't follow the NBA, Giannis was like the MVP of the league last two seasons, um, plays for Milwaukee, um, top five. Well, it sounds silly to say he's not the best player in the league if he won MVP, but, you know, there's LeBron. Just a big deal. Andrew out there. But essentially this one-of-one one Giannis um, rookie card, um, I think it was a prism, like a particular prism is a type of card, uh, and sold to, for $1.8 million. Like a... Fucking hell. You can uh, trade them like I, I, Locke. Have no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have seen these things with the pack opening things. I, I, I've seen a few of those things. That and the Pokemon cards. But how many people tune in to watch live yeah. pack openings? You know, it's like well, I watch them like, like opening records. a record. You didn't, you know, but yeah. they don't know what's inside it. It's like a so, surprise. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I, there's a um, Melbourne-based uh, crew that I sort of follow on socials and, and watch their break breaks and sometimes join in on. Um, called Primo Cards um, and they're a really cool crew um, 
But yeah, it's essentially, they do a cool thing where you essentially you can allocate yourself a team and then they'll break the cards and everyone's watching. And if, you know, if I pick the Lakers and Lakers cards come out, then I get the Lakers cards and you can do that because the boxes now to buy these boxes of cards that as far as I'm aware, like a year, two years ago, you could walk in, maybe not in Australia, but you could walk into like Target in the US and buy boxes of cards for 20 bucks off the shelf. These same boxes can't get them for like less than a thousand bucks now. What's and, next thing? They're not available. They're not available in retail or anything like that. Um, yeah, it's it's insane, but um, it's really cool. And as a basketball fan, you know, it's it's definitely, you know, because the price is going up, there's like anything, um, it's definitely an investment uh, if you want to get involved. But I feel like the break, the, the card breaks because the boxes are so expensive. It's probably the, the cheapest way to sort of get involved because you can just buy sin- singular teams and hope you get some cards. But um, I saw you have a, a, a Zion too. So is, is, is there one there that you're thinking, if I just back his career here, I'm sitting on a gold mine. Is that is that the card? Um, yeah, well, I'd say it's... Um, as far as I know from researching, I've got um, I've got there's a particular kind of card called Mosaic, and I've got this particular version of it called a fast break Mosaic. It's really shiny, and it's Jar Morant, who was the number two pick in the draft last year. Um, I think that's probably the most valuable card if Jar goes on and and fulfills what people think he will. Um, the other one is this uh, Kobe White, who plays for the Bulls. Um, again. Big um, yeah, big throw. Um, had a good game today, actually. I think your stock's gone up. Gone up. It's literally like stock. It's like <laughs> they rise and fall back on how they play. You the can game. track it. You can track it. And, um, it. and and yeah, so I, I'd say they're they're probably in terms of cards that I have, they're probably the most valuable cards. But definitely, if you've got like Zion's the one that if he has a career, people anticipate. Um, it's insane because yeah, it's it, it has that correlation of stocks, I guess, where it literally rises and falls based on performance. There's there's a player for the Lakers, Taylor Horton Tucker, and he's like a rookie for the Lakers. Didn't get much time last year, but just in preseason, two preseason games, he's been starting because they've been resting LeBron and stuff. And Taylor put up like 31 points in a preseason game, and just he's like one of his base rookie cards, not even shiny or anything ultra rare just like a, a base card had risen like they were going on ebay from like 90 bucks before this game they were going on ebay for like 1200 bucks after the game <laughs> <Talk it now. laughs> it's in it's crazy it's crazy so but for me it's you know my team's minnesota timberwolves um i've got a knack of picking teams that suck um across all sports that i follow um but i mainly try and collect minnesota cards um, but yeah, there's definitely players and other teams that I really enjoy that are pr- probably going to do better than my team. And yeah, whether it's Jar or Kobe White, Bol Bol for the Nuggets. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain. Like I said, I'm still learning, but I'm definitely intrigued. And when you can combine the world of, I guess, finance and investment and stocks with basketball. Um, Why not? What's going to happen in five years? You know what I mean? Like all this technology and it's going to be fun, isn't it? That's what's cool, right? That it's like in this era that we're in or this new world that we're in, technology and all this stuff, like 
as far as I understand, obviously the cards have slightly changed from like the 60s, 70s. Like they've gotten better in quality and stuff or the types of cards, but they're still a piece of cardboard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like they're on your phone or anything now. It's like they're a physical thing that you hold in your hand. And from what I've read as well, they said that there was a bit of a burst in the card bubble um, back in like the 90s, early 2000s. Um, and I think that was because the car manufacturers, there was, a, there, sorry, there was a jump obviously with MJ and stuff like that. Um, that I think the car manufacturers went a bit too hard, um, making too many varieties and then flooding the market. And then just, but again, just like anything you do that, it's going to devalue the, the product. So I think as long as they don't make that same mistake combined with if these rookies from each season, because the rookie cards are the most valuable cards because their story isn't told yet. And in seven years, if it's Anthony Davis, like, you know, or LeBron in 18 years or whoever it is, and they've Steph Curry, you know, I think a Steph Curry rookie card went for high six figures the other day. Um, I watched an interview with LeBron and he was someone, one of, I don't know if you saw it, Dan, it was like the reporter told him what the um, his rookie card was worth. And he was like, oh, lucky I've got two of those. <laughs> and it was like one point something mil is what his rookie card's worth. And he had he just had two of them. Just well, can, when can we bring CDs back? Can we make them cool again? Because they're $2 at Goldmine Records in, in Carlton. And I was like, I'm just going to rack the buddy, the, the the stands and just get a bunch because how can we make them cool again? Because I, I literally <laughs> had growing up, I had fucking heaps and I gave them away at the um, Salvos. And I was like, I look back and go, I was giving away the biggest fucking, they're going to come back surely, aren't they? I'm, look, I'm personally a fan of CDs, but I think it's a bit different. I can understand, unfortunately, why they're a redundant piece of technology, but... Um, Man, you still get the art. You still get all the same shit as a record, but it's two bucks. I don't think, I don't think they're going to completely exit, you know, the market. I think there'll always be a market for them, but I don't think... It's different with vinyl. You can understand why vinyl yeah. makes this resurgence... Um, versus CD. Um, but CD, I think, definitely holds more relevance in the market than, say, DVDs do in the world. <laughs> Fuck, man. I haven't seen a DVD on a shelf in fucking... How many years? Uh, uh, not, not since I you, used to bring a DVD. the biggest play. tub ever. When we moved out, Lockham, <laughs> he brought four tubs with him. And I was like, what's in the tubs? Hey, the Bradfords, we pirated them. You know? We had all these different... We had Rosh Hour. Uh, just all the tubs were just hey. full of DVDs. And I was like, hey, Fuck But it we out. had Californication. We and that saved it. us. 2015. We that was just a bit of Californication. I got, I got the same. We've got a... We've got a bookshelf out in the lounge room that's full of DVDs and like two chests, like two big war chest things full of them. I'm um, holding on to them as well. But yeah, I think they're definitely a redundant piece of technology, which is actually, you know, not that we need to segue, but just the whole, there's one thing that interests me, just that that film world, um, you know, and obviously the the development of the music industry and, you know, the the physical boom that was carried through the 90s and into the, obviously that sort of hit a wall and music and recorded the value of recorded music obviously hit a wall in the thousands with the, you know, the, the Napster, the LimeWire, the piracy era into iTunes, sort of the digital age of music sort of coming in. And then, you know, it sort of was a bit sort of in limbo in the 2010s and stuff. And then, you know, streaming obviously has done what it's done in the last sort of five or so years, physical kind of still held on through that. But, um, yeah, in the film world, it's really interesting because 
again, you put yourself in the shoes of the last 10, 15 years. And even if you go back sort of three, four years ago, because Netflix, I guess, really sort of came into the fold similar time to when Spotify started making its foothold in the, the music industry um, as a, you know, as a, I guess, a, an option or a, a alternative option for, for consumers. Um, but like I said, at least the physical form of music still holds a value, even if CDs aren't the primary or vinyl or whatever isn't necessarily the primary, like there's still a value in those pieces of technology. Whereas DVDs and, and physical forms of film going back to the nineties BHS and, and DVDs, like we're talking like these things like floated the industry, maybe not floated, like between cinemas, like physical experience yeah. film um, and the DVD, the home, home entertainment, like proper, like floated the industry or thereabouts for like 10 years there, 10, 15 years. And then, you know, it was around 2014, 15, that it just like, like blink of an eye it disappears like that rev that line in the budget just disappears it was blu-ray wasn't it what the fuck's blu-ray you know i was like what of of, am i getting a blu-ray player now it's like 500 bucks you know and it's like do i need that is that coming just put the dvd in but then yeah vhs player mate yeah it's not the vhs player i had the vhs player but i remember seeing netflix for the first time over in canada i was like um I don't understand what this is. Like, what do you mean? You can just watch whatever you want. You just search it and you can just click it. And there's like a library and a catalog. And like, I remember when you had to like iTunes, Napster, all that sort of stuff, you had to download all that stuff. You know, you now people can have any song you want at the click of a button. It's crazy. I saw an ad today where you can do this. It's like Google hum. Did you ever seen Google hum? Uh, possibly. Yeah. It's like you go and you, and you fucking hum the song. And Google pops out like, what was that? Shazam? Yeah, Shazam is where you play the song. This one's like you can literally hum the the tune of the like, song. Like you do on SingStar to get all the points. That's You can cheat SingStar, you know that? You don't have to sing the words. You can do, uh, what? there's Queens of the Stone Age's little sister and you can just go, and you get all the points. You know that? You've always been a cheat, mate. I've always been a t- shortcut, Bradford. Sure, yeah, you can, you can hum that, but so it's not new technology, mate. Singstar had it. Oh, well, it huh? doesn't, they didn't tell you what the fucking song was. <laughs> <laughs> You're making up. Mate, I reckon let's give you a, what's your top top three movies? Top three movies of all time. Or directors. Um, or actors or actresses. Whatever you're into. What do you, do you like? Give us a top three. Do you like behind the scenes, you like movies? What do you like? Yeah, it's always, um, it's always hard, I guess, you know, every time you, even if it's in a casual conversation, it always comes up and you think like, all right, next time I won't forget that film or like I won't forget that director. Um, yeah, I don't know about top three or top five, so I'm always going to forget something, but the, the sort of two constants, I think, in my film, um, all my love of film is uh, Pulp Fiction and just Quentin Tarantino in general as a director um, and a writer. Um, Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards are probably my two favourite of, of his, but Pulp Fiction just is just a masterpiece that stood the test of time since it's created in, you know, the that sort of early 90s period where there's a lot of good film from around that sort of 1990 to 95 period that is kind of stuck in that period. Um, it hasn't really aged well, whether it's the content or just the, the film itself, um, but I feel Pulp Fiction is is a masterpiece and you can watch it today and it's it's feels current you know if it it just feels relevant um and it's just what 
what Tarantino does, but in particular what he did in that film, just his method of storytelling. Um, I know it's it's probably a pretty pretty normy pick to to say Pulp Fiction, but but yeah, for me it's just a classic. Um, and the other constant is A Clockwork Orange, Stanley Kubrick, another favorite director of mine. Again, just his vision, especially at the time as well in the sixties and seventies, some of the stuff he was doing where you know, the Hollywood back in those days, um, especially in the 60s, was very, um, I guess, liberal, you'd probably call it, as in our liberal, not uh, America's liberal. Um, very sort of particular, uh, you know, just proper. Um, and Kubrick doing films like Lolita, uh, Clockwork Orange, Dr. Strangelove, a spa- uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, um, and then on to Full Metal Jacket in the 80s, just the stories that he was telling. Obviously, there's more than that. But in particular, Clockwork Orange coming out in 1971 when it did, just the kind of story that he told and the visuals that he was able to pull off at that time. Obviously, The Shining as well in terms of, you know, just the skills. And, yeah, it's, um, again, it's not definitely not timeless in the same way, but, but more so you put yourself like, fuck, they made this film in 1971. Um, but there was a lot of really good stuff around that sort of new Hollywood that came post late sixties, you know, people like Kubrick, um, Scorsese, uh, doing like taxi driver and, um, raging bull a bit later. Um, Steven Spielberg, obviously George Lucas, um, you know, again, you just put, put yourself in the shoes of these, these guys. And unfortunately not a lot of women got opportunities back in those days, but you know, one of the, at that time, Francis Ford Coppola, who um, directed like The Godfather, Apocalypse Now. His daughter, Sophia Coppola, is an incredible filmmaker. Stuff like Lost in Translation, um, new film on the rocks. Um, uh, yeah, she she uh, obviously grown up in that Coppola family. Um, but back in that those 70s, just what those guys did to change Hollywood and therefore give us the films that we now look back at stuff like Jaws and Star Wars and just think like, wow, like what they've become or what they turned into franchise and whatnot. But the, the, the mind blowing thing for me is put yourself on the ground in like 1973 or something. And George Lucas coming off the back of doing like, you know, some teen comedy sort of stuff that he was doing and just walks into this office and just pitches the concept for Star Wars. <laughs> like imagine just sitting there and getting that. Um, and yeah, so that that's a bit of a tangent that I went off, but it was sort of on the back of just that period of time in the seventies of film. Um, but yeah, probably Pulp Fiction, Clockwork Orange, but there's a lot of, a lot that I could probably uh, add to that list that uh, I'm blanking on. But what, what about you guys? Are you, you into film much? I was feeling like you need to make me a list of all the classics that I haven't yeah. seen. I yeah. feel like I've watched. We'll just sit and watch them. I feel like I've watched heaps of shit movies. Like I've watched heaps of like shit movies. Yeah, shit movies, but not <laughs> not like the classics. You know what I mean? And it's hard for me to put myself back in the. But like I watch like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and and I love all that sort of stuff. Like it, I, I watch. Okay, yeah, I watch back now, and I'm like, oh, I see it in a different lens, and I can see why it was funny and. Some things are even funnier, but like, you know, because like some stuff you can't say anymore. It's very sort of PC. But back in the day, it was like the Wild West and you're like, geez, he could get away with saying all this sort of stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. The, the kind of development, I mean, it happened in music as well, but obviously the maturity and, and honestly, like the development for the better that came across industry. Um, 
definitely still has, has yielded some incredible film over the last couple of years. Um, and that I was just going to throw out as well, just a couple of films just off the top of my head from probably the last 10 or so years that, you know, mind-blowing. Um, one that's pretty, um, not necessarily mind-blowing in terms of action or anything, but one of my favourites of recent times is a film called Whiplash. Yeah. Which, um, Miles Teller. Yeah, Miles Teller. Um, directed by... Uh, uh, Damien Chazelle, who who did La La Land with uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, and then did uh, First Man, was I think was his last film. But Whiplash, Miles Teller plays like a uh, uh, a jazz drummer, like goes to a like a proper jazz music school, and it's just like it, it seems like such a basic concept for a film, like jazz drama, jazz school, like hard ass teacher, J.K. Simmons. At, that plays the teacher just gives an absolute performance, but yeah. that's literally the film, like an hour and 20 minutes. The last 20 minutes of that film is literally like a performance, like on stage, they're playing a song, like this jazz song called Whiplash. Um, and like, I don't think I've been more just locked in to like the, like I was, I was more locked into the end of Whiplash, just watching this like kid drum than I was to like the last battle scene in like Avengers Infinity War or some shit. Like, you know, just What's like that, what was that movie with Adam Sandler recent Uncut Gems? Yeah, that's a classic. Um, I was like, this is a new movie. I've never seen a movie made like this. And I was like, you can't look away, can you? You yes. need to go watch that. You can't look away. Like I was you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. Yeah. So um yeah, a really good, really good film. Um the directors of these guys, the Safety brothers, there's two brothers. Um they did another film that's very of a similar ilk to, to Uncut Gems called Good Time. Um, yeah, Rob, Robert Pattinson. Rob Pattinson, yeah, yeah. So same dudes and just the universe that they create, kind of like the tension they create through like fast, loud dialogue. It's not for everyone, but like just create mm. tension and just like their stories are like, like high pressure, heart racing, not like in a scary or thriller kind of way, just kind of like tense, stressful situations. Yeah. Um, but Uncut Gems and especially if you're an Adam Sandler fan from like comedy days and stuff like just seeing him in this role um, I've got some mates that have always just championed Sandler just like I love Sandler and you know I'm like mate Jack and Jill no like uh, <laughs> and uh, but, uh it was it was hard to watch wasn't it then Uncut Gems comes out and you're like okay this is like you know this guy can act Sam was a really good dude. But yeah, Uncut Gems is a classic. Um, Jordan Peele in terms of a great director. Um, also, you know, he's Peele's funny as. real funny. Yeah, if you... Um, get Out. You don't Get Out, didn't you? Yeah, so Jordan Peele, yeah, directed um, Get in, Out and Us. Big Mouth. So, Big Mouth. Yeah, so he's in Big Mouth and, and Keegan and Peele, uh, Keegan and Peele, um, the, the comedy stuff. Like he played um, the great sketch where he plays Obama. Um, real good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't act like you I know. know. Yeah, you guys, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I also yeah, like I like that I like the celebrations video too. That's the only one you yeah. know, isn't it? No, it's not. I've oh. watched heaps of them. In terms of like the last five years or so, like Get Out and Us was really great as well in terms of just original storytelling. But I think in terms of just just the story behind Get Out, just you know, low budget, you know, comedy writer and actor like does not just like a the horror thriller film but obviously the themes and the, the story around that and obviously the importance 
the weight that that held um, and just such an incredible, incredible film. Um, watched um, a couple of good ones this year on Netflix, actually, like I think Netflix over the last couple of years, for those that, you know, don't follow, you know, I love the Oscars. I love getting into it. A couple of ringer podcasts I listen to actually like just focus on film and, and talk film and just dive into the, the nitty gritty of the industry. Um, but essentially for context, like Netflix has really been trying to, I guess, legitimize themselves as like a, I guess, a producer of films, um, you know, and, the, and they threw big money at directors and like Martin Scorsese do The Irishman and Steven Soderbergh do a couple of films who, if you don't know Soderbergh, he did like Ocean's Eleven and um, Out of Sight and just great films like that. Um, but they've really been trying to legitimise, I guess, their case as like, you know, an Oscar credible, uh, I guess, production company. And um, they won, I don't know if you guys saw, it was a Spanish film uh, called Roma. Um, actually not Spanish, could be insulting um, culture there. Um, I believe it was Spanish. Lisa Alfonso Cuellón, the director, I believe was Spanish. Could be really putting my foot in it here. I'm gonna look it up afterwards to make sure if I've got that right. But anyway, Roma, incredible Netflix film. He won best director for that. Um, but there's been some good stuff on Netflix. The Devil All the Time um, with Tom Holland who plays Spider-Man, but really good, really good. like dark drama rob pattinson's in that one as well um real good i'll uh, link that one through check that out and just for like good good fun action um the old guard charlie's theron um and if you're a harry potter fan the guy that plays dudley harry's uh, stepbrother and harry harry potter bit of weird to see him in a movie as an adult but uh that was actually like pretty good fun if you're just looking for like 90 minutes of action yeah. You know, um, yeah. So I have to watch a movie. Though. What about what about some romance? Give us some. I don't reckon you'd be a rom com guy. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, not your cup of tea. Nah, everything's my cup of tea. Yeah, forgetting Sarah Marshall, one of Jonathan. Jason, so I, I could ram, I could ramble a lot about forgetting Sarah Marshall. Actually, um, there's some I've listened to. Actually, Jason Segel went on um, Bill Simmons' pod and talked about because I believe from memory Jason Segel wrote. Like, like forgetting Samuel Marshall, like he wrote the story, and um, for for reference, he's the the main actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was in How Many Mother and stuff, but um, and yeah, obviously wrote the that whole the whole segue like the Dracula play in the the film, like full wrote all that, played all the piano and stuff like that. But yeah, it's a great film. No, I'm, I'm you know, good film's a good film. We actually went on a bit of a um. Richard Curtis, who great English director, did stuff like Four Weddings at a Funeral, Notting Hill, Love Actually, like just all the classic sort of like Hugh Grant English comedies. Um, big, big fan of those. Love Actually is an absolute. That's just that's probably top ten, I reckon. Love Actually is an absolute pearl. I watched it with them over the weekend. Yeah, um, Christmas movie. She always puts it on. Though, yeah, it's it. a lot. It comes around. It comes out this time of year, doesn't it? And the sound of music. There's something. Here's a weird tangent I never thought of, but watching it the other day, I was like, this is written like a Tarantino movie. Like there's all these like intertwining like plot lines that sort of circle back to each other and intertwining characters and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, really a uh, big fan of that. But yeah, I watched um, yeah, Notting Hill for the first time. And that was, you know, cause 
all those sort of rom-coms, I think the late 90s, early 2000s get, you know, get a bad rap and whatnot. But, you know, my best friend's wedding and stuff like that, they're actually like good value, good time. And things I hate about you. That's, yeah, that's classic. A, Heath Ledger classic. I like that movie too. That's a good movie. You think you're Heath Ledger in that? No, you think you're the bad boy? Yeah. Right? Uh, he's always dreaming going down the steps. You, you thought you you're were closer to him than I am. Fuck off, man. More of a, more of a Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah. 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 Just a nerdy cat. Oh, yeah. Huh? <laughs> Trying to get the, the hot girl at school. That's what about you guys? Thing. You have, you said you don't really, don't really watch a lot of film or don't, what's oh, your Like, no, there's no, no bad answers. No, I used to, honestly, I'm a nuffy. I used to watch fucking heaps of series, heaps of TV shows, heaps of movies, but not this year. That's not what I'm struggling year. to remember, but as I used to kid, be all over you, As a kid, I like... I'm re-watching Entourage again. I don't know, because it was just an easy sort of fucking watch, but... Um, I watch TV shows. I, I like TV shows lately, like Peaky Blinders. Oh, Peaky Blinders, I'm, yeah. I'm, oh, no. Nah, what's the... The Boys. Have you seen The Boys? No, I've been told a lot of times to... to the superhero yeah. one. Yeah, oh, it's, really it's cool. on Amazon Prime. It is unreal. Unreal. Yeah. And the flight attendant. It's the chick from um the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. She's the main yeah. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that looks good. Um, Yeah, I, I definitely, definitely more of a, like, more of a stand for film. Like, just, like, go film. But definitely watch the TV shows as well. Um, You know, Shameless is one that, that, that we watch. The US version of Shameless and Suits was a big one got into that um yeah there's there's always a few picks um sam watches keeping up with the kardashians and i you know find myself tuning into a couple of episodes um you know just got to keep up to date with what's going on um well, that's what we're gonna do that's what that, that's our inspiration the kardashians and the way they, they go about it they, they've got a good good way they they do it don't they they've got a good setup and they're, they're making a bit of money i reckon a cross between the kardashians and the osbournes and like Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. Huh? <laughs> you would have watched that back in the day, wouldn't you? The situation? <laughs> I know the situation, but yeah, no, nah, definitely. <laughs> the oh, situation, huh? I was, I was, you know, back in, you know, mid 2000s, that was the, you know, the OC and One Street Hill and, you know, those classics. One Street Hill was a good One Street Hill was a good one. Yeah, I used to watch that a fair bit. The OC was good. Revenge, you would have frothed Revenge, wouldn't you? Uh, no, no, the show didn't, didn't dive in, but definitely know the show. Um, was a Channel 7 classic, I think. Free to air days before Netflix and stuff. Californication. Did you ever watch that? Yeah, a couple of seasons. Uh, Sam watched the whole thing. I didn't. I don't think I've seen the whole show. But I really haven't seen the whole show. What week? I feel like I could binge out again. I actually watched. Um, it's an interesting crossover that has nothing to do with the show Californication, but it was a film we watched during lockdown called California, um, which is like an early '90s, and it's got David Duchovny and Brad Pitt. Juliet Lewis, it's just like killer lineup. Um, film's good. Like I definitely check it out because the cast is just that good. It kind of goes off the rails a bit, but yeah, it's just kind of like um, a couple that like investigative journalists, David Coveney and his partner, kind of going on like this road trip across America to like follow like the path of serial killer or serial killers or like visit sort of serial killer locations. And then they pick up or like pick up some hitchhikers, which is Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis. And I think it's a bit sort of like shady, whatever, and, you know, shit goes down. But it was just like, just like incredible cast. I'm just like, you just got to check it out. But just, just reminded me when you said uh, Californication, because I remember putting it on being like California, David Duchovny, 
Oh, we had I a, like the X Files too. No, I watched all. I went. We, we, uh, we went back and rewatched every episode. We of had the a frame photo of him in our house when we first moved out together. We had them cubes, and we thought we we're going to be a bit artsy fartsy. And we're like, <laughs> let's just get a. We had one photo, and it was a day, I cut it out from a DVD of Californication season seven, I think it was. How sad and, is that? and we popped it in the frame, and he was our god for for a year there, wasn't he? Oh my uh, guilty pleasures, if you want to call it that. Definitely not an Oscar winner, but Evolution with. Uh, David Duchovny oh, in it is uh is pretty much an episode of the X Files, I guess, but kind of like funny. It's like him, Sean William Scott, um, Julianne Moore. Like, was it really- the funny face with the three eyes? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 that's yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, I like that one. But no, there's there's heaps of good stuff. I'm hanging out actually in terms of again just like guilty pleasures or films from when I was younger. Um, Jingle All the Way, which is this terrible Christmas movie with. Arnie oh, like, watch it every year when yeah. he's trying to get the fucking toy. Yeah, watch it every year, and they're saying we got Disney Plus because the little fella like watches Toy Story yeah, like sure three yeah, times yeah, a day. Yeah. We watch Toy Story three times a day. Um, <laughs> but um, they said Jingle All the Way is coming soon. I'm like, mate, it's Christmas next week. When's it coming soon? Like, get it on, get it on the platform. I need to watch Jingle All the Way. I said to Sam, as soon as it's up there, we're watching Jingle All the Way. That, so I, know, I know we're having this conversation in 2021, so. Hopefully you've watched it by now. Yeah. yeah. We'll do a review on Jingle All The Way because I still remember some of the scenes there when he's on the floats and they're going down to the festivals and that that actually, that sticks in my brain. Yeah, it does. That's a good movie. Have to definitely rewatch that. Well, mate, you're about to take some time off which you don't normally get to have. You get to have a bit of a breather. What's the plan for your time off? Yeah, so obviously with, you know, all the events of year um means that usually around this time we it'd usually be a double header of uh we'd have unify festival in in january but also the boys the oa boys whether it's new year's festivals or early sort of new year festivals we'd usually be doing something over this period um so that's all i guess off for this year um but yeah fingers crossed Everything with COVID keeps developing positively. Um, they've got a couple of shows over summer. Uh, but yeah, I'd say touching wood and, and fingers crossed and hoping for the best that, yes, yeah, will probably be the, I guess, the quietest or quietest summer or the, the summer with the most ability to have a few days proper downtime or, or recharging and spending time with family and, and, and doing uh, all the good stuff like that. Um, you know, all our families up in Sydney, obviously, we're both from Sydney originally. So, um, yeah, family coming down for the Christmas period and then we'll head up to Sydney, hopefully in January. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely taking advantage, you know, without, you know, I can never, well, I won't say I never, um, but definitely never switch completely off, always kind of present for, for whatever it is. The brain's always ticking over with a new idea or brainstorm or, you know, something for the new year, something to put in development, some new idea or something we can improve or whatever. But yeah, I'd say definitely take advantage of this year. Uh, the one positive, yeah, being that it's probably going to be the quietest summer or New Year's period because usually it's, you know, Christmas Day with the fam and Boxing Day. But then, you know, 27th, 28th, 29th, it's like we're just we're just back into it, you know. Because uh, OA are playing a show on the 21st of Jan at the My Music Bowl. Is it the 21st of Jan? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Really cool initiative that uh, I believe the government is supporting 
the art center down there and allow, uh, giving them some funding to, to put on a series of shows that I believe is going over a couple, couple of weeks or maybe in a month. Um, and yeah, we, we got the opportunity to uh, have a show uh, as part of that, that concert series that they're doing. Um, so yeah, it's, um, yeah, we're just, Exciting. yeah, we yeah. can't wait to tag along and just, uh, and, and sit in front row center and watch the boys just go to work, you know, they're, they're on the tools and they're, they're doing what they do. And yeah, it's going to be, it's even just crazy to think, you know, we obviously we're all sitting in lockdown pretty tight, you know, back in August and September in particular, where it really ramped up down here. Um, but that whole period and to think that by January would be at the Mayan Music Bowl seeing a show, obviously fingers crossed and touch wood, nothing untoward happens because you just never know with this thing. But yeah, to think that that's happening in January is just, we're just so privileged and I think lucky to, to be in that position to either be able to play the show or to be able to go experience the show at both. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to, to that one. Um, yeah, we, we've had our plans change a couple of times. We have to reschedule. Um, the band actually back started this in February, announced their what was their first headline tour in 18 months in Australia for, for June, July of 2020. Uh, sorry, May, June of 2020. Obviously, everything happened and we had to reschedule it to Feb, March 21, thinking, you know, oh, it's ages away, like plenty of time. And now we've just had to reschedule it again because whilst seated shows or these COVID safe shows are able to happen. Those shows, you know, we've been building that show and the production, you know, with the intention of people experiencing it, you know, in a, in a venue shoulder to shoulder and stuff. So had to reschedule it again to hopefully a time later this year um, in August, September where that can happen. So yeah, it's just funny that, yeah, by the time that tour rolls around, it's going to be like, well, like three years since their last, Capital City headline tour. Um, but they've been lucky. Good, man. Yeah, we've yeah, been lucky to be able to play a few shows over summer and Wollongong and Sydney and Queensland and Adelaide and now Melbourne. Yeah, definitely been lucky to, to get back out there and really, uh, yeah, really just appreciative to have that opportunity. Oh, and it won't be, I'll tell you what, it won't be the only hot live ticket in town, will it? February's going to be popping, yeah. I reckon. See it. They're going to have to... I have to get some extra security guards. I reckon there'll be people banging down the doors trying to trying to get into one one seventy Russell. So you take, the piss, you take the piss, but it's going to happen. I'm telling you, they're all going to come. They're I'm coming fighting over fighting over the. That's my ticket. You know? <laughs> that's my ticket. It's going to be like you know, it's going to be like a five seconds of summer with there. You know, all the, the the fans are going to be there. It's just going to be you know for the boys. Can there be a mosh pit for a podcast? I haven't seen it before, but if we're going to get some wall of death or something going, that could be <laughs> could be handy. I reckon you're that's an experience. Maybe mosh pit, good content. Yeah, uh, there's there's no reason why not. I think you know it's your show. You just tell the crowd what you want them to do, and and hopefully they listen. Probably won't, but um. Yeah, I, I think we should call it to a crash and burn. What do you reckon? Funny business, <laughs> crash and burn live. The inaugural, the inaugural and final show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, sometimes you've got to take them opportunities. If they don't come off, they don't come off. You know what I mean? But say that we've played a show at 170 Russell. We were on the phone when we were talking about it. And I, I was laughing too. But how, when we got locked to say how happy we are, when we, we found out that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah, billboards. I've been going there since I was, you know, 17, sneaking in underage. And for that to be the first show at that venue, I've... I've been there many a times and had many a big night. So 
uh, it's come full circle and it's it's going to be an unreal experience we i don't know we, we're planning it out at the moment so um by the time this airs there'll be something in the works and, and ready to rock and roll so it's super exciting and we're fucking pumped yeah we're pumped we're pumped that's nah, gonna be awesome um again it's just what i love about you guys just willing to to do stuff that's that's different or you know there's no no blueprint no like you know boxes to tick you're just doing what you want to do and then what makes sense for building your pod and your wider brand and building that community um and i think yeah it's going to be a great experience like great conversations questions answers bit of comedy bit of stand-up yeah. You know, just do whatever you want. He's saying stand up, Dan, but I'm not that funny. You know what I mean? I need you there to hold my hand. Like I said, just because you're standing up doesn't mean it's going to be. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one joke I can use, though. I'm ripping that. <laughs> I'm ripping it 100%. It's going to be fucking weird, though. I'm pumped. I'm so jacked. Because, like you said, it's just like you don't really know until we go through it and then we plan it all. It's just, I'm excited for the unknown a little bit and just, just having a crack and seeing what's possible. and seeing the opportunities that come from that and hopefully provide a good experience and entertaining experience where people want to come back for more and we can only get better and better as it, it rolls out. And you get the pressure. I like, I like the pressure. Yeah, hey, like, pressure makes diamonds. That's huh? it. Funny business crash and burn. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> huh? <laughs> oh. it's, it's worth a crack, you know, but, um, but no, I, I, I thought I'd, you know, just to, to, to keep the vibe going, but I'll throw the question back at you. What are you guys, um, up to for summer and stuff i don't know like it's no disrespect to anyone else you've had on the pod but i don't know if does the questions ever get fired back at you guys like oh sometimes sometimes they don't ask us but we'll go on a tangent and then half an hour later we're like oh is it our show yeah (laughs) are we still talking yeah no you know as you know danny boy we've got a we've got a big summer plan well well not that i want to sort of make hustle culture like promoted or anything but it's it's real like you definitely need to have balance and stuff, but we realise we need to strike while the iron's hot, take advantage of the moment, definitely refill the cup and stuff. But, um, you know, it's a busy time of year for us and to crank things up. And while the pods might not be coming out, um, although by this time, as it'll be all sweet, but um, yeah. yeah, figuring out what the break over Christmas is going to be like and, and all that sort of stuff is, is going to be, is going to be fun. Um, and just sort of sussing it out and playing it as it comes. I think that's the most exciting part. Like, doesn't really feel like December for us. It just feels like like a January type of thing where it's just like everything's sort of rocking and rolling. I feel like this is the start of our new year now kind of thing. It's been, yeah, I don't know. If we're, it's not really going to get that much time off. Well, I told Tars that we're having two weeks off, but she doesn't hanging, know that. I'm hanging for some time off, to be honest. It's been a massive year yeah. and trying to double up and do work and get this pod to where we've been able to get it to and not like not to be able to spend time with family. It's been like COVID, Locke and I talked about it a lot, was that, it provided us an opportunity to do shit, but it also, there was lots of shit things that happened and I'm excited to spend some time with family and, and just chill out a bit, you know? You're saying all the right things, aren't you? No, I am. I'm yeah. excited to chill out and then, but yeah. we're not going to be, we're just, it's busy in a good way. Yeah, it's exciting. Like, it's like you said, like, um, I suppose when you're building it out and sort of everything's at the seed stage at the moment, so it's building everything out. So everything's sort of uncertain and there's no, like, traditional path or anything like that you know we're creating something together that's going to be fucking awesome so it's just about sort of always taking advantage of the opportunities and and making the most of everything that sort of comes our way and 
holding up our end of the bargain and making sure we do a good job. So have a bit of fucking fun, I reckon. Yeah, putting the fun back into funny business. Enjoy summer. Sun's out. I'll be locked in the room. He'll be he'll be making me edit while he's out surfing. You know, as you. Maybe get a GoPro on your head or something and do a do a Twitch stream live from Winky Pop or something. We can we can make that happen, mate. Whatever, whatever. The sharks, Dan. The sharks. There's a big whale that washed up on the beach, and there's there's down around the corner. There's a big there's an aerial shot that was showing all the sharks chewing on this big sperm whale that was out the back, and there's like twenty sharks chewing on this whale. I'm not gonna fucking know near the water. Not down that way. Are you gonna get on the uh? Gonna play a bit of FIFA, or are you just gonna stay in the chat? chat i do like spending time in the chat now i'm gonna, i'm waiting for my, my pc to get here and i'm going to be i'm thinking i'm going to get back into um a bit of call of duty and i'm going to get into uh i might play a little bit of fifa but just i might, I might go lock and i've been saying old school stuff maybe even just stream i like crush bandicoot racing i like tony hawks like the old school like um old school basketball games need for speed i reckon they go off grand turismo grand turismo yeah, yeah crash we got the uh like obviously had the ps1 back in the day but got the they did like a remastered version for ps what have i got three or four i don't even know what i got but it's like a it's crash bandicoot one and two and um the first racing game but but remastered for like ps4 so sick um i can't beat it i thought i thought when you said you were plugging in the pc you were gonna stream some solitaire or free cell or pinball or something I t- someone I in the up. someone in the Twitch channel the other day suggested that we play. You ever play stick cricket? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. He's yeah. like, we should start streaming stick cricket. That's such a smart idea. I'm gonna I, do that. I thought it was a fucking genius idea too. I used I, to play that I, all I the time. You, you fucking you. idiot. I was t- I, mate, I was busy. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was mod, busy modding. modding the chat. Sorry, oh. sorry, I was modding. Stick cricket makes sense. No, that's no. a good idea. Had a great, great stick. Stick cricket phase for sure. Big fan. I think we all do. But yeah, mate. I reckon there's gonna be a bit of a bit of enjoyment, a bit more fun. Get out, do whatever. I don't know. Fuck, we'll figure Crash it out. Crash your holiday, huh? Your yeah. day off. We'll just knock on your door. What's going on? How are you? A few passive aggressive text messages. <laughs> Forty-eight minute reads sitting in your way. Forty-eight minute reads on New Year's Eve or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you think of this ASAP, man? ASAP. Yeah. Really love your thoughts ASAP. Huh? Send them through. You'll get them back as well. You'll get my thoughts. Oh, no, you're too nice. Can you please tell us to fuck off just once? Like, I'd, I'd, I'd love for you to just say, you know, enough's <laughs> enough. He's nah. saying, he says it behind his behind our back, I reckon. Nah, nah I'm pretty good. Um, yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, and yeah, the other thing is obviously being an NBA fan, it's, it's a weird season this year, but starting on December 22, season kicks off or kicked off. Um, so, yeah, just having that over period the christmas period is great as well big english football fan as well so just sport just cranks through summer bit of boxing day test it's all happening i'm ready to watch sport man I'm ready you're, re- you're sport. probably gonna sink into the couch a bit this summer too aren't you because you don't have to be out and about you can sort of you can watch um you can watch uh davy warner and the boys go about their business can't you that's it yeah it's like you know usually in the summer you get like the cricket during the day you can have the cricket on the tv the phone on the basketball on the phone and then football at night. Mind you, I'd probably also be sitting on the lawn, not in the house, if that's the kind of programming that I'd put on for the family. But uh, <laughs> realistically, uh, Toy Story on the TV, uh, basketball on the phone, maybe. Um, we'll see what happens. But uh, no, nah, it's, yeah, it's just going to be good to, to have time with the fam and um, 
keep it up with the little fella running around and yeah, it'd be great. Dad life, mate. Dad life. Well, mate, we've been so pumped. This has been a sick chat. This, this has been, been our sick. best one by a mile. We don't give a fuck what anyone says. We'll promote it as that too. This is the best podcast we've ever done. Best ever. And everyone can fucking suck it. Huh? Yeah, that's it. Huh? Dan the man. What a pod. Two hours of power. Yeah, look, love my movies. He's just given me a fucking list, hasn't he? I know. I've, I feel not... like I haven't seen any good movie. I feel like none have come out. None that have like... Do they even make movies anymore? Is there a theatre near us? Yeah, Reading. Oh, Warren, no, Ponds. Yeah, Warren Ponds. I tell you, I think 11 buck movie tickets. Fuck, that. Yeah, that's We right. should be going to the movies. That's like... And popcorn and... Choc tops. They do. They have like a movie ticket, popcorn, choc top deal, like 17 bucks or something. You're kidding. I think so. That doesn't exist. Well, Dan would know. But I reckon, yeah. I mean, all the classics that he mentioned and stuff like that, I feel like I haven't seen any of them. No? Nah. I haven't seen that many movies. But I'm not a big movie person because I... I get, I get, I've got an attention span bored. of a goldfish. I've got an attention span of a goldfish, so. Yeah, true. But I tell you, listening to Dan's story, I didn't know he did um, forensic science. Yeah, Dexter vibes, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. We thought he was a bit too good to be true. Yeah, we did, didn't we? And he's out there. Analytical mind, isn't it? Yeah, no, huh? no wonder people, people, no one says a bad word about him. Because they know he He'll knows. Fucking he, kill him. he knows how to get rid of their body. Yeah. <laughs> No, seriously, Dan is an absolute legend. He's been helping us out and we've, uh, we just feel very grateful that he's come into our life. So I hope you guys enjoyed this pod as much as we do and spending a little bit of time with Naz Daddy, uh, mm. in the ears with Naz. Mm. You like that little tagline? I do. I like it. Yeah. Hey, well then, you got creative. Thank you. Um, hey, tell a friend, share this episode and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would yeah. go a long way. We've got a couple of good new ones too. So keep it up, guys.